0: It all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Meta, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fly Racing, Bill's Pipes, W Wheels, Motul MX, X Brand Goggles, Moto Ice Wrap, and Moto Stuff make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views. Inside the sport of motocross, the gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Meta. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got Nate the Destroyer Adams. Nate, how's it going?
1: Oh, it's going great, man. Going great. I'm just actually, uh, why I didn't answer your call earlier. I'm here at the hospital with my newborn baby boys and my wife and, and just kind of hanging out. So I'm, a, I'm a new dad and just kind of soaking all that up.
0: <laughs> just a few days old. I believe that the, 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 the two of them are, uh, are still mm. under a week old. Incredible. Can't imagine the, the, the feelings and, and the emotions that have been running through. Uh, clue, clue us in, if you can, uh, what, what you've kind of been able to soak in so far.
1: Um, man, it's, uh, it was crazy, you know, my, you know, from the first C or the first ultrasound, uh, last year, um, you know, I think it was late August, and, and they told us, oh, there's, there's two boys, and there are two, two babies, and finding out it's two boys, and, and you know, I, I would have been, you know, pumped with two girls or, you know, anything, but just, I don't know, being a man and, and wanting sons, and, and now they're here, they came, uh, seven weeks early, so they're in the, the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. Um, they're about 10 days old today, actually. Um, right. I had to leave last weekend to go ride a nitro circus show. And, and, uh, and it was, uh, it was hard to leave them even just for, uh, for four days, but I'm back and just in the hospital. I'm trying to just, uh, spend as much time as I can, you know, with them. Cause I, I just have this fear, like and all these things I'm thinking about, I've never thought about or emotions and, and, and you know, parts of my heart. I didn't even know I had that that are being touched right now. And, you know, they're kind of trying, they're, they're opening their eyes and they can, they can hear your voice and, and look at you and they'll just grab your finger and hold on. And just all those little things, man, it's, it's amazing. I didn't know what I expected being a parent to be like, but uh, so far it's, it's amazing
0: absolutely and uh it would be very difficult to uh to to board a plane and head off to a uh, nitro circus live event but uh <laughs> and very different the uh the the mood and maybe some of the uh the conversation when uh like from from maybe 15 20 years ago when you're uh, at jump shows compared to now when you're on your, <laughs> your smartphone showing pictures of your newborn uh, uh baby boys
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Night and day. It was, uh, you know, when I first started writing contests, I was still a sophomore in high school. So I was probably talking about the homework I didn't want to do or something, or the new paintball gun I wanted to buy or whatever it was. And now, now I'm talking about, you know, formula and breast milk and diapers and getting poop on my hand and all that stuff, you know? So it's, it's, it's definitely a polar opposite to what it was 15 years ago, but, uh, wouldn't trade it for the world, man. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's a lot of work. I'm only ten days in. I can tell it's uh, it's a lot, but it's uh, very rewarding as well.
0: No doubt. Uh, poop on the hands uh, is um, <laughs> is all comes part and parcel with having uh, a couple of uh, beautiful baby boys. Uh, uh, do, do they have names just yet?
1: Yes, they do. Actually, we uh, we named them before they were born, and and uh, but yeah, uh, one one was a little smaller, one was a little larger, which is common with twins. But uh, the smaller is uh, Travis Young. It's named after my dad and my grandpa. And then, uh, a the little bit bigger one is Hudson Vaughn, which is named after, uh, my wife's dad and grandpa. So, oh, so go. keeping the names in the family. And, and yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're in the NICU, but they're making progress daily. They're, uh, Hudson is, uh, you know, the little bit bigger ones off his breathing tubes and, and, uh, just has a feeding tube in now. So they're making progress daily. And, and the doctors and nurses said they should be home, you know, within a week. So that was great to I actually just heard that this morning. So that was great to hear. But, but yeah, so they're, they're doing good
0: which uh which one did you have the opportunity to hold first
1: i got to hold uh well travis uh ty travis young he was doing a little worse off after the birth so um i didn't get to hold him for about three days which was kind of rough but uh no the doubt. second day i got to hold hudson and and uh yeah it's um you know just from seeing him come out just hearing him cry then being able to hold him and then then looking at you and and recognizing your voice and it's, it's it's crazy man i i remember hearing people talk about this stuff you know years ago uh, before i was married and before i had kids and uh they really didn't you know just kind of went in one ear and out the other and now i now i fully get it so i'm on board yeah. i'm on board with the dad club no <laughs> kidding uh, years ago you're
0: probably like yeah cool bro like uh, all babies look the same and uh, it's exactly I, I care less about your your changing technique but uh, now, <laughs> pretty, now pretty you're much. all ears for anyone who's willing to give us uh, some, some, some advice. oh man i'm
1: all ears if anyone wants to give me advice but you're right yeah when you when i was young i just really didn't care or think about it which is i think normal you know get on a plane there's a crying baby you're like dang shut that kid up now i get it you you can't shut them up they're crying they're crying there's nothing you can do about it <laughs> and you know what else they they come out the womb they are who they are man like, their personality they are who they are i mean you're gonna raise them and teach them their morals and, and right from wrong and, you know, how to work and, you know, all that stuff and respect. You're going to teach them all that, but they have their, you know, I can already tell Travis is smaller one, he's fired up, Hudson, the mellow one. And uh, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. I don't even know what I'm saying, but it's, uh, I'm still, I'm still riding on cloud nine right now. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty jacked up on joy right now. <laughs> no doubt,
0: as you should be. And uh, like honestly, I can't uh, offer enough congratulations. That is a really cool moment, and uh, I'm I'm glad to uh, have caught you in this. Uh, honestly, I can. Uh, we're not. We're on the phone right now. I can't see you, but I can see and I can hear uh, uh, an ear to ear grin, which uh, <laughs> isn't as strange to you, but uh, definitely this one seems like a special one.
1: Well, thanks, man. Yeah, this is uh, is definitely one of the... the, It's not the coolest thing that's ever happened to me, so... So cool, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about some dirt bikes, man. Absolutely. Well, I, <laughs> I, I got to
0: imagine that as soon as you found out that you had two sons, that uh, a pair of uh, of CRF uh, 150Rs were, were ordered, and they're like some, <laughs> some nice appointed with uh, some 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 cool aftermarket parts that are now going to be waiting for uh, for Ty and Hudson to be riding in uh, over oh, eighteen months or so yeah
1: <laughs> the sooner the better man yeah i'm just uh you know everyone's asking me that are you gonna are you gonna get them into riding and, and i really don't know I, I mean right now i'm more worried about you know learning their, their habits and trying to get sleep and and stuff like that but whatever if they're drawn to you know hockey or badminton hockey i'll get them into that we're gonna be a hockey player if they're into moto which you know my dad what got me and he just rode and i wanted to be like my dad so I'm, kind of assuming my boys will be the same and that'll be an awesome day. The first day I take them out on bikes. So I'm just, uh, just waiting, waiting to kind of find out what they want and what, what they're going to be like and, you know, all that stuff. But, but yeah, we're most likely going to be a dirt bike family. <laughs> mostly,
0: mostly, especially when you're, when you're passionate about, uh, two wheels, the way you are, as well as, uh, the, the, the just the, uh, the, the the culture that's been built in your family to uh, to love the sport of motor- motorcycles and, and everything on two wheels. I think the, the the two boys will will know that pick that up. Um, but uh, if they if they do end up playing hockey, uh, I don't mind flying down for some skating lessons early in their no, career. And, uh, no I'd love that. Whatsoever. You're
1: Canadian, so you definitely have more experience with ice than me. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, so I have basically there no experience. But <laughs> <laughs> you guys got
0: you guys got my hockey team when I was eight.
1: What? Yeah, you guys,
0: the Coyotes were from Winnipeg.
1: Oh, I had no idea. you got to be kidding me.
0: Yeah. They, no uh, way. They, the NHL, like, they, they basically took, like, we, we couldn't support the team, and they, they brought them out, they took them out of uh, Winnipeg and sent them to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, and uh, I was absolutely heartbroken, but uh, we got our jets oh, back, and I think uh, we've been doing a little bit better than you guys as of recent uh, history, well, so...
1: Well, yeah, we're even we're then. I'm sorry, though. I had no all idea. Good. But <laughs> <It's all> good, <laughs> so, you know, man. I can I can see uh, you know what's one cool thing about you, what he you said about family and motocross, and it really is a family sport. You know, I mean, I mean, when guys, when you look in from the outside and you, you you just watch Supercross or motocross, it's pretty corporate and very serious, and, and that's true. I mean, that level is. But all the top riders, Roxan, Dungeon, all those guys have their family. What they what you don't see off camera is their families there. It's a family effort, a team effort. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as as recently as a month ago, I was out in Arizona trail riding, you know, putting in 50 miles through the desert with my dad. He's a big enduro and desert rider. And and those moments are, you know, more fun than riding a contest or or getting a medal. And it's just me and my dad out in the middle of nowhere and kind of getting lost and finding our way back. I just hope to one day have that with my sons. You know, it's definitely a, a bonding experience. Me and my dad laugh and just cut up and you know, stuff each other going in the corner, you know, just, it's fun. You know, I, I really yeah. hope to, to have that with my boys, but if not, if they're hockey players, then I'm going to be a hockey player, you know, it's, it's whatever they want to do. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. No, uh, like uh, a tailgate, a dirt bike, uh, me and my dad, or even like the, your expanded family that, uh, Develops through 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 motocross. I've said it a hundred times on this podcast. Uh, from the first day that you show up to a motocross track, you'll always leave with some waves and nods from uh, uh, a banquet of people who uh, understand that uh, it's, it's your first time, or that you, you're now you're part of the club now, and uh, and that that's the the club of people who, uh, if you show up to the, the, the track, your bike breaks more often than not. You're going to find somebody that's going to let you ride there. Five to $10,000 machine and jump it through the <laughs> air a hundred or so feet.
1: Right, right. Or someone's going to say, hey, I got a tube. And I, I mean, I've done that. I've, I've been a guy where someone, you know, recognized me. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I walk up to him and say, hey, do you have a lever? Or, you know, I, I, I didn't bring one or I forgot my, you know, toolbox or whatever. a wrench. Oh, yeah, no problem. You know, someone who, who you know, worked to buy it. I got tubes I got for free at home and I walk over to someone's truck and hey can I buy a tube off you and y'all you ain't gonna buy a tube off me here you go you know and just throw me a tube it's like that's what motocross is like and and it's awesome you're right it's just a big family and a lot of a lot of brotherhood and camaraderie in it and that's I think that's what through all the injuries and, the, and you know there's more good times than bad in everyone's time on you know, on a motocross bike I feel like I feel like the the dark cloud of injuries can kind of give a bad name to a sport, which it happens, but it happens in every sport. But I think that's what really people love about motocross is, is just the camaraderie and, and the family aspect that's there. So, so yeah, my boys will definitely be part of that as long as they want to, as long as they Absolutely. want to. <laughs> Thanks to the
0: choir, my friend. Uh, I hear you loud and clear. So uh, where, where did this family uh, affair um, start out for you? Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, a breeding ground mm-hmm. for a lot of Uh, incredible motocross racers and, and freestylers alike. Uh, but it always comes down to, uh, the first time you throw over, uh, the leg over a bike. Uh, what was that, uh, that experience like for you? Um,
1: yeah, I remember it was, I was eight years old and, uh, guy lived, uh, right around the corner from us and he was, he was like six or seven years older than me. I remember his name was David Heiberg and they were selling his, uh, his old CR 60 in 1983. And, and uh it was 1993 or yeah 93 and uh I remember my dad bought it off him for 350 bucks and uh felt like I've been waiting for a dirt bike forever. I, I felt like i had been asking, you know, my dad for a bike my whole life, which felt like an eternity, but I was 8. And uh yeah, I remember rode it around the front yard and almost hit the mailbox and then we started going out to the desert and you know, we we kind of grew up on the the outskirts of Phoenix kind of the the suburbs that butt up against just the open desert so we had endless trails to ride and, and just open desert to go riding in and, and that's kind of where I, I learned how to ride was just out in the middle of nowhere making rut tracks and whoop tracks and, and uh, you know just kind of building jumps bringing a shovel out there and just having endless acres to just go mess around on and that's kind of where I learned how to ride a bike.
0: So uh be- long before uh many many riders looked up to you and your style there's mu- there must have been a a, a a big list of guys that were uh influences to you guys who kind of stoked your fire and mm. uh obviously there's probably a lot of fast guys around that uh you-, you could either latch onto or uh try and follow around the track who are those riders locally as well as uh, uh all over the, the the landscape that uh you were you were you're watching and uh, help fuel that fire
1: um, well, kind of before I got on, got my, my first bike, that CR 60, uh, it was, you know, Ricky Johnson, Jeff Stanton, uh, Damon Bradshaw, Guy Cooper, you know, obviously Jeremy McGrath was the man. Every kid in my generation looked up to Jeremy, but, uh, it wasn't like today, you know, it wasn't Instagram or, you know, even not even all the races were televised, you know, it was, uh, you kind of had to get lucky just to catch a race on TV or tape one or wait for a month for the moto magazine to come out, you know, all that stuff. So, um you really just couldn't stay up to date like you can today, you know. But uh the local guys around Arizona, uh, we got to the tracks and it was, you know, Sean Cabos, uh Patty McMullen, David Pingry, Josh Wagner, um yeah, those are kind of the guys locally that that were just amazing you know (laughs) and it was a trip to go to the the the, you go to the phoenix supercross you know back when it was at asu stadium back in the 90s and and go and you know sean Kalos, you just go to local track and watch him and you think there's no way you can be faster than this guy like why isn't this guy winning everything (laughs) why isn't he beating jeremy mcgrath and then go watch him you know get a you know make the main or you know get 15th or something And that really started from a young age putting things into perspective to me about dang like you got to be this has to be your life. You have to be all in or nothing, you know, just to go out here and be a guy at the night show that really woke me up to what the level that I needed to, to push myself to, to be successful. So, you know, I out to, you know, local track and watch, watch Patty McMullen or Sean Kalos just flying. So you think there's no way you can go any faster and then Go watch them get a, you know, a 15th in the main or something, or not even make the main. And from a young age, I remember watching that and going, you know, just kind of set and, set it into reality to me how, If I want to do this, I have to just be all in, you know?
0: Absolutely, and it, but it, it's a it's a sport that it doesn't uh, uh, it takes a lot of dedication to be all in. But uh, I find it uh, there's a lot of athletes that find it very easy to find that dedication is to it's an easy sport to love. And uh, once you, once you're deep in into it, you only want to di- dive deeper. Uh, when did your skills start to kind of emerge as someone that uh, uh, maybe uh, better than a few of your peers? And uh, signs that uh, within your own mind that you were starting to get it.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, I was probably uh, early teens, thirteen, fourteen. I've been racing I was race in eighties and then I was on one twenty fives and mm. and uh oh, one second. Mm. Sorry about that and the long no string off. Um But, uh yeah, I, I kind of started, you know, the videos started coming out. Custody is a dirt, terra firma, you know, steel roots, all those videos. And for a lot of guys, my age, my generation, kind of my era, that's kind of what opened our eyes to to what more than just riding a track or making a rut track or making, you know, a little jump out in the desert. We kind of, those videos kind of opened my eyes. Oh, my gosh, Like my bike is, I can do big stuff on my bike, you know. <laughs> I can go big on this thing, so. Um, when that started coming about I started getting into freestyle started getting into just shoveling jumps out in the desert renting tractors building jumps and uh started getting into the freestyle thing and instead of going to these local races and just racing I go race and then I do jump shows and I'd make my money back from what I paid to race and then uh, I started kind of getting local recognition and I sent in a video to what is now uh Whether it be Feld Motorsports, it was Pace Motorsports back then, and I got uh, sent sent, literally sent in a VHS tape to them. That's amazing. (laughs) That's so so old school. But of me doing like you know Cordovas, cliffhangers, Superman seat grabs, and about a month later, probably you know probably took a month to get there in the mail, and then they called me and invited me out to my first contest in Houston, Texas, and I went and rode that. I got a seventh and. You know, made about eleven hundred bucks, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I was fifteen and got a check for eleven hundred bucks. I thought I'd made it, you know. And yeah, uh, they invited a lot me back for the, last <laughs> for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, I was like getting a check for like one point one million dollars in my mind I could buy all the candy and skateboard wheels I wanted, you know. Yeah, so, right. uh, <laughs> and then they invited me back for one more, and I, I went to the next one, and I can't remember what place I got. But after that second contest, I rode for uh, for Feld, which was the IFMA. Uh, event series back then, and and uh, and they said, "Hey, why don't you stay on for the whole tour?" And that was like another thirty contest that year. And then I ended up getting Rookie of the Year that year. And then it was just two years after that I was in X Games, and and two years after that I won X Games. And, and now here we are, fifteen years later, and it, it's still going. <laughs>
0: it's been a steady progression and a guy who has been innovating elevating and uh, and basically uh, setting the the benchmark of what it is to be a, a professional in this sport um, but what, what was it like to be kind of a, a, a professional slightly on the outside looking in in the early 2000s like you said doing these jump shows uh, and, and doing uh, the best you can on the the straight up and down tricks and obviously uh, like um, uh, a, a nasty whip has always been in your your repertoire, but, uh, what was, what was a, uh, a Nate Adams routine like before the backflip jumped in?
1: Oh man, you know, it was, uh, a lot simpler. <laughs> it was, uh, when the backflip came around, it just added stress to everyone, um, in, in the freestyle world, even the guys that were flipping and the guys that weren't, it was, if you weren't flipping, you were, you were stressed cause you're not, and you don't know if you're going to make any money or even get invited to contests cause that's all the promoters want, whether it's a contest or just a jump show or an exhibition, they wanted flips. um, but before the flip, it was, it was basically everything we're doing right side up and upside down. Now. I mean, basically everything we were doing right side up 10 years ago, everyone's doing upside down. So, um, it was basically, I had the same mindset going in. Um, I had my tricks, but I was always looking at the course to something I could do to set myself apart. You know, some type of transfer jump from this takeoff to a, a landing to another jump, something like that. So, from the beginning I was always kind of trying to set myself apart. You know, the judges from daytime qualifying to nighttime qualifying to the finals, they see so many runs and, and a lot of them just start to, you know, blend together, honestly. So, uh, yeah. it, I mean, back then it was always about just setting yourself apart and that's what it is. It still is today, you know? So it's just getting harder and harder as the sport grows. There's more and more guys that are competitive. Um, now I'm one of the older guys and I just turned 32 last month and, and, uh, the young guys are hungry, man. They're, they don't care. They'll, they'll break themselves off just to get into a show, you know, and, and, uh and not, I mean, I'm, I'm still motivated and fired up and, and, but there's just, I, I just noticed that, that difference, you know, there's, there's guys that are willing to die for this. I'm not really willing to die for it anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to hang it out. I'm going to ride 110%, but, but man, there's a, uh, like you mentioned earlier, this is—it's a sport of progression. Since it birthed itself in the mid '90s through videos, and and even before that, even before that, David Bailey and Rick Johnson, all these guys free road, You know, they—they they all did their form of freestyle. But, but um, this sport has, since it was a sport, has been progression. That's—that's that's all it's about. I feel really blessed to have been in from the get-go when it was just you know knacks and seat grabs, and someone did a heart attack if their feet went above their helmet. The crowd went nuts. You know, and now it's like. People, someone won't even stand out of their seat for a, for a backflip. You know, it's like even, <laughs> you got to do a double flip or a front flip. But to begin to just watch a sport go through, you know, years and and now getting close to two decades of progression and still be around. And because you know, when I first got into it, it was it was almost hated by the racing world. Now we're kind of, now we're accepted. Yeah. You know, I have the same sponsor. I'm sponsored by Monster and DC Shoes and all these same companies that are into racing. It wasn't like that. You know, fifteen twenty years ago, it was very anti-racing was anti-freestyle and freestyle was anti-racing and and uh, I'm really thankful that, that kind of whole era has been pushed behind us and and it's just really helped the sport grow as a whole to be accepted by the racing community and the freestyle community and Yeah, it's I can't really put it into words but I feel like I've been there since the beginning watched it grow and uh, basically uh, you know kind of the point I'm getting at is is for for years it was like the, almost it seemed like the majority of the motocross industry was like, ah, freestyle, it's not even going to be around. Anymore. That's going to wash out. You know, it's not even a sport. It was like we weren't respected. And uh here we are, you know, 2016. The sport's never been bigger. It's worldwide. There's never been more riders, There's never been more talent in the sport. So I'm stoked, man. This is uh, something I've been a part of. It made it my life's work, my passion. It was uh, my goal in life. And to see, uh, you know, my I've had my accomplishments that I'm happy and proud of. And just to see the sport doing well uh, so many years later, it's just great.
0: It is great. I, it, I, it's amazing to think that uh, there are a lot of people who, uh, if they only got into the sport in the last ten years or so, they'd uh, completely have uh, have glossed over the uh, the era of uh, of all black motorcycles, uh, <laughs> rebel mentality. And it wasn't only be it wasn't always only, only because an all blocked out bike looks bitching. It was uh, an all black bike was a bit of a middle finger to manufacturers that weren't going to pay a uh, d- uh, 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 a freestyler to to do what they did because, like you said, there wasn't a lot of respect there. There wasn't a lot of uh, value in the activation of what a, a, a freestyler could do to a brand. So uh, a lot of freestylers are like, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, run like, a, a red Honda. I'm not advertising for for Honda one bit. I'm gonna run uh, an all blacked out bike because, uh, like, because because they don't pay my bills.
1: Right. Yeah. And that, that's exactly it. Now it's like, I mean, guys are doing, you know everybody wants to set themselves apart or look different or, you know, freestyle is about, it's about style and looking good, you know? Yeah. And uh some guys just, you know, put their bike black because that's what they want. They want a blacked out bike. They want it to look hard and look cool. But you're right. 10, 15 years ago, it was a, it's kind of a middle finger that, Hey, you don't respect us. You're not even going to give us help. In fact, you're going to openly insult us or say we're not athletes or not a real sport. So we're going to cut our fenders. We're going to cut our seats. We're going to, turn our bikes different colors. We're going to black out logos. We're going to, you know, do all that stuff because you're not helping us. So we ain't helping you. And then it was, as the years went by, these, you know, manufacturers, the companies start calling you, you know, you get the emails and and then it's just, you know, times change. And uh, everyone, I think on the manufacturer, the sponsor side and the athletes were, were, uh, we're stoked to finally getting some help, you know? So it's cool to, to be the rebel and go without any, sponsors are help for a while but after a while you you know it's cool to get help it's cool to have a paying sponsor and you know things like that so i think that whole kind of transition and and change happened at the perfect time and, and now i think uh manufacturers and companies and within the industry you know everything from gear to boots to bikes and you know companies like gopro we're no longer really seen as a liability we're seen as as athletes and people want to be a part of it it's, it's exciting it's a lifestyle it's cool it's fashionable it's stylish and and people want to be a part of it, which is great. And, and that's our marketability as as a sport, you know?
0: Well, if you see the range of motion and the extension of some of the tricks that are being thrown down right now, I'm I'm staring at a computer screen with uh, you doing a <laughs> double grab, feet totally scorpioned above your head. And if that's not an athlete, I'm not too sure what is.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. And, and, you know, it, it we kind of all felt the same way through those years. And that's kind of where the... the that kind of uh, spiteful attitude I think came mm-hmm. from, from a lot of guys. And, uh, but, you know, like I'm saying that it lasted a short time. And, and once people started realizing like, Hey, you know, like some racers I've, I've, you know, I'm friends with some racers even through all that time I, I raced, I still raced local stuff when I was doing, you know, in between X games and do tours and rebel X fighters and all that. And, and, uh, you know, you get a, you get a top racer out there and try to teach them how to do a seat grab and you can't really do it. You know, (laughs) we just kind of basically long story short, it just kind of, I think we slowly earned the respect of the industry, which is great. I mean, can't really put it into words, but over, you know, a period of 10 years to watch something go from, no, there's no way we'll ever sponsor a freestyler to, you know, like, Hey, let's work out a deal type attitude. You know, that's, it's just very rewarding and accomplishing, you know, to, to be there and see the old, the change and, and, uh, one of my things was when, uh, and it still is, but when the whole kind of middle finger FU attitude was cool to kind of have, and that's kind of what was thriving inside the sport, I, you know, I had been a racer that wasn't that good, honestly. I don't think I would have made it as a racer. I could have been a guy who was making night shows or a main here and there, but but I, when I got into freestyle, I took the eth- work ethic I had from racing and applied it into freestyle. And uh, when, when I started making it in freestyle and making my mark, I was thinking, you know what? I'm not going to be that. I'm going to be kind of somewhere in between Brian Deegan and Travis Pastrana. You know, I'm, I'm not totally. going to be super hardcore, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, tra- I mean, Travis is one of a kind and, and uh, he can do anything he, he wants. He can jump out of a plane without a parachute or go race a rally car and then fly over, kick a red eye to X games and win. And then I just knew I don't have that. I'm, I'm a freestyler. This is what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to be professional. I'm going to, you know, make mom and dad proud. I'm going to make my sponsors, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make it, make me worth their while, worth their time, worth their investment. And, uh, that's what I kind of ran with. And, um, and that's just kind of been that's who I am. And that's, uh, that's kind of what I made my MO. It's, uh, it, uh, you know, you can't fake it. Fans get it. They get, they know, they they see, right. If you're running a fake facade, it it might last for a year or two, but people are going to figure it out. and, And I think that's why, uh, I have my fans and, and I appreciate them. I think that's why I have the fan base I do is, is uh, I've never tried to be anything. I'm not. I've just been a rider and someone who loves the sport. I think people that are fans of mine are the same. They just love riding their bike. They're not about an image or about being anything other than just what they want to be. And that's just the guy who rides his dirt bike. And, and that's who I am. <laughs> so that's what I've always tried to be.
0: I couldn't agree more, and uh, you know, I, I, I when you you'd mentioned, uh, like kind of where you wanted to, to fit yourself in as far as a persona goes, or how you wanted to be viewed as as you made your emergence as a professional. Uh, I kind of think back to some of the the, the competitions that I would watch, whether it be Gravity Games or X Games at the time, and I think you're exactly right. You had this uh, in. The, this intensity, this fire in your eyes, and almost a bit of a snarl on on game day, on race, on the the event day, but also the uh, that um, intensity between between jumps, that uh, that pinpoint accuracy on the track, not very unlike uh, like Travis was on the on the bike, but still uh, uh, like very intense, and still had a almost a, a very st- hard stoic exterior, which uh, is something that uh, Brian Deegan really kind of. Uh, uh, like introduced I think something that you kind of perfected but uh like you'd mentioned also it was a, it was a red motorcycle and um and you always had I wouldn't say colorful gear but you always ran gear that uh uh you, you could uh, you could easily throw numbers on that bike and and be racing the following weekend
1: yeah you know and uh I have to admit I did cut my fenders for a few years which it is embarrassing now to me when I look back on photos but <laughs> <baggy pants> too, <laughs> a, though. what's that
0: did you have baggy pants as well
1: I, I did not have, uh, I did not run the, the, well, actually, when I rode for Fox, I rode the, the, they made me custom shorts, which which was awesome, and had custom yeah. knee pads, and I actually, it was sponsored by uh, SMP for a little bit, or excuse me, L B Z. and yeah. I did get into the whole baggy thing, and I ran that, <laughs> but uh, even then, I had the long fenders and just cut my seat and grab holes, and uh, and yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I always uh, liked my bike to feel like a motocross bike, Um, Some guys set their bikes up super high bars and, and, and just, I really didn't like that. It was that, that bike that was specific for freestyle. I, I didn't feel comfortable on it. I liked my bike to feel like I could go ride a freestyle course and turn the clickers out and then go ride a track on it. You know, just kind of keep that happy medium feel to my bike. So, um, and I, I, I that that's kind of still how I how I run it. I don't run super high bars. I run the same bars on my motorbike that I run on my freestyle bike. And,
0: you know, I, when I when
1: I go ride a track, I don't want to feel like I'm sitting on a bike that's not even mine, you know, because I ride freestyle nine out of 10 days, you know. So I always try to keep my bike looking somewhat motocross-ish. And I actually think that helped me uh, get sponsors and stuff. I didn't look – I was a freestyler and, and competitive and winning and all that, but I didn't um, – I wasn't just, uh, I guess – uh, what's the right You're word? I well trans- rounded. There you go. I transcended to both racers and I had a racing background and, and now it was a freestyle. My bikes looked like people could, you know, relate to, it wasn't some weird looking thing, you know, <laughs> that they'd never seen before. So and looking back over the photos for, you know, a decade or more ago, I'm, I'm happy I did that. But, but back then people kind of made fun of me for having regular fenders and, and all that stuff. But now I'm uh Especially pumped! I did that.
0: <laughs> okay, a bit of a trendsetter uh, as you were, uh, like back, back in the day. you, Like you said, there was, you see a, a lot of guys who uh, they they chop the fenders to a, a ridiculous degree, and somehow they grew back over the years. But uh, uh, like it, it's, uh, it, it's 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 it's. It, it's something that that uh um really progressed forward and i think that's where honestly why you ended up being one of the first guys that uh, actually got attention from an actual manufacturer and uh, i believe that's why you originally switched to yamaha back in 2003 i believe which is then you had basically uh a freestyle version of a factory ride yeah
1: yeah that was um i really think that that kind of you know kind of i wasn't really eh, i guess i was uh, just a clean cut guy that was my image and and uh, my manager Jimmy Button had obviously a long-standing relationship with Yamaha so through his career before he had his neck injury, and and still does have a great relationship with the Yamaha. So that all just kind of worked out, and and uh, yeah, it was great to ride for Yamaha. It was uh, you're right. I got on Yamahas at the end of '03, and I had I think I rode for him what was '04, and eight. So I had a great run with Yamaha, and you know, free bikes and parts was great. I felt like I I was on top of the world, you know, and. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just amazing things like that happened from just my dirt bike. You know, I really can't explain it. I was just doing everything I could to be the best rider I could and be successful and at the same time have fun and, and who'd have guessed it. But I have, I've, you know, I can say I was a factory rider for, for a portion of my life. It's just, uh, you know, it's been some time now since I've had a bike sponsor, but looking back on it, those were some dang good times, man. I, that was a, that was a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: So, what were those bikes like when you first jumped on the Yamahas? Obviously, I believe that was still steel frame days. Uh, oh
2: yeah, <laughs> beautiful
0: two-strokes, and uh, they they were like as far as two-strokes go, that that bike was just about state of the art. They had pushed that bike as far as you really could, as far as progression goes, with uh, like just maximizing the horsepower. Of the bike was mm-hmm. on point. Uh, like they, I remember hearing uh, stories of uh, like the the, the race team in 2005, still using uh, cylinder heads that had MC stamped on them because uh, that, that, that engine got was so good by the end of the, the 2000s, they kept pushing at that the whole thing forward and uh, honestly something that I feel like it kind of elevated your game um, in, in confidence that uh, you're on uh, possibly the best machine out there.
1: Definitely. You know, and, and with uh, the Yamaha sponsorship, I also at the same time got sponsored by uh, Enzo Suspension. And uh, yeah, the first thing I noticed when I started my Yamaha's up was how much faster they were than my my Honda two-strokes. I was like, oh my gosh! And uh, I really feel like uh, Yamaha, basically Yamaha and KTM are the only ones putting maybe Husky now putting development still into two-strokes. But I mean that 5 Yamaha motor is still the same motor that's in a 2016. I mean it's the same yeah. exact same motor, and that thing just rips. It's a great bike. It's it's uh, you notice a lot of guys that are on two-strokes are on. Either the YZs or the or the KCMs. So, um, that bike, I really, I think you're right. That bike definitely took my, my riding level to the next level. And, uh, you know, before then I was only able to afford two bikes. And, uh, so, you know, I had one bike on the IFMA tour going year round. It would stay on that truck. I'd only see it on the weekends when I rode those events. And then, uh, I'd have one more bike either at home or I'd have to send that bike out to X Games or Gravity Games, Do Tour or whatever. So, um, so to get, Yamaha sponsorship. I got five bikes. Um, I got a parts allowance. I got a salary. It was like all of a sudden I had enough bikes to send out on any contest tour, any demo tour I wanted and still have two bikes at home. So now my, I just went, I took my riding from, sometimes I couldn't ride for weeks at home in between contests because I didn't have a bike at home. Now I had a bike at home all the time, spare parts, anything breaks. I just go home and put a new one on. So the, the the sponsorship with Yamaha was uh, was definitely a game changer for me. It uh, took my confidence to the next level. And there's something about just a manufacturer getting behind you as an individual. You know, I wasn't on a team. It was they were sponsoring me, you know, and that just the confidence that came along with that definitely, uh, definitely took me to the next level. And that, that was the first year I won X-Games in the 04, the first year I rode for them. So it was... Uh, yeah, it's something about just the confidence that comes along with the sponsorship like that. And obviously, the bike's great. They're still, uh, it it is great. They're still making the same same dang dang bike, you know, ten twelve years later. So, um, yeah, that sponsorship was a great time. And you know, Keith McCarty and Mike Guerra were always great to me at Yamaha. And uh, if they ever want to work with me again, I'm I'm all eyes and ears and all for it. But uh, yeah, those are those are some great great years in my career right there.
0: Uh, I speak so passionately about them. Wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those are still in the garage today.
1: <laughs> you are correct, sir. So I actually have a couple in back home in Arizona and uh, a couple at my house and actually won uh, my O nine X Fighters uh tour championship bike up at uh, Monster here in Corona, California in their display room. So yeah, I mean, those those Yamaha's were some of my favorite bikes for sure.
0: Uh, they're absolutely beautiful and like it, there's peace of mind in the knowing that uh A, you've got one of the most competitive bikes at the track and it's fresh all the time and that was right around the the time when uh, uh you guys were starting to really push the sport as well as push the machinery guys uh um like it, for you not having to go to the race or go to an event worrying about like ah like uh, are are those are the wheels on the bike uh, uh as straight as they need to be like i wasn't able to replace this uh, is that going to last this weekend and stuff like that? Never had to worry <laughs> right. about that. Just focus on uh, on executing your tricks, which uh, um, it, it, it all came together for you in that. And uh, that was that was shortly after uh, um, completely like that. You had the the three sixty a hundred percent. You had, the you had the, like every backflip variation that was possible at the time was in your bag. And uh, like it was it, the proof was in the pudding when it came to judging. Uh, you're at the top of the uh, of that uh, that that roll in in run. With your hands in the air.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you're right. It's just the confidence that comes along with it. And then, you know, one other big thing you just kind of trigger my memory is, you know, when we travel overseas, we don't take our bike like with all the Rebel X fighters and X Games going global and all that. You know, we we basically bring three gear bags packed full of three or four sometimes. I mean, you put your suspension, sometimes even wheels, extra tires, sprockets, handlebars, clamps, subframe, seat, all your plastics, airbox, and everything you need to make your bike feel like your bike at home. But you show up somewhere, and in the past I had, you know, you put in the contract before I go to this overseas show or this contest in Europe somewhere in South America or wherever that, you know, I need a brand new or like new whatever bike I'm riding, YZ, CRF, whatever it is. And uh, you get there, and I've had times where literally my bike could not make the jumps on the course. Like a regular ramp and second gear, wide open as so fast the bike won't make it. I can just, I can just case the jump. And uh, But, hey, you get a manufacturer sponsor. I let them know, you know, maybe a few weeks in advance, hey, I'm going here. Can yeah. you make sure that my bike is solid? Well, from that point on, I had brand-new bikes. I'm literally going over there and breaking bikes in during my practice. And uh, that's great. You know, I never have to worry about am I going to get just a bucket or rusted out you know, crap box or, you know, it kind of just eliminated all that worry. And every, every time I showed up somewhere, I had literally a brand new thing, never had gas in the tank, brand new bike. Um, I mean, I bring my spare parts from home. You know, always be prepared when I go to contests as much as I could, but, but that was just a huge elimination of a, a worry and a kind of a, a, a factor of fear that came along with traveling overseas. It just washed that ride out. So just another, I guess, another perk to being a factory rider.
0: Exactly, couldn't agree more. I had Matt Byton on here maybe about a month ago, and he's telling me about a time that he went. Well, I don't think he was even overseas. I was in like Mexico or something like that. And they had it took three putting three Yamaha two hundred and fifty F's or two hundred and fifty two strokes together to create one that was passable for him to do the event that he was contracted to do. And if and if that wasn't going to work. Uh, Work. He was going to get right back on a flight and just say screw it. Um, I I imagine before Yamaha, you had some situations like that, or you were hitting ramps on bikes that you you'd mentioned, not quite worthy, but uh, um, just like you you go over these events uh, all over the world. uh, Rest assured that uh, the the bike's going to be in 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 a great shape. You're going to be in great shape, and uh, like if 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 motocross racing is a mental a uh, mental deal i got to imagine being upside down on them is even more <laughs> of a mental uh, deal so uh and kind of uh anything that can help is is just a, a big benefit to you
1: oh yeah, i mean you're absolutely right I and mean, you know, i think the, the racing for the freestyle side i think it's just all what it's different i think lining up with 40 guys on the gate and going wide open to a corner that's more normal than being upside down because i'm more used to being upside down you know i might race once or twice a year but you know, I'm doing contests all year long, so, but, I mean, it's all, it's all personal, I think it, it's both gnarly, that's why we respect, we freestylers respect the racers, and, and, and the racers respect freestylers, and, and, but, yeah, I mean, you're right, I, you know, what happened to Matt Bighton, I, I remember that, kind of hearing about that years ago, I've never had to take three bikes apart and do that, but I have had, uh, there was an, actually, an extra bike at the contest that no one ended up using it was kind of such a bucket and this was the same contest uh it was in madrid spain rebel x fighters where my bike wouldn't make the jumps you know it's that bull arena and you come out of the tunnel toward the toward the ramp and my bike would not make the jump but there was an extra yamaha there and and uh took my parts off of that and put it on the other one and that one ended up being a little bit better and I, i managed to get through and and uh but even then it's like you know you go to a contest and you ride this rust bucket of a bike is just clapper. And, and, you know, only thing that shows is the result. Oh, well, you know, I got a, I got a fifth when I'd been, you know, top three, every other event that year, it just kind of looks bad on it, you, you know, and that, that story doesn't translate. So thank you for letting me have this platform to, cause you know, this is the stuff I want to hear from racers. And, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I wanted to hear this kind of behind the scenes type stuff, but, but, uh, you know, it happens, you know, sometimes when the Americans go overseas, even motocross nations, or, you know, like Geneva supercross or something like that. Anything can happen. Your bike, your parts can get damaged in transit. You can get there and have a bike. That's just a clapper or a bucket and, and you do the best you can, but Hey, it's, you know, probably not your best finish, but, uh, but that's, that's just, that's traveling and that's racing. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta deal with it. You know, sometimes after riding a piece of junk bike and getting a, the worst finish of the year. I'm more relieved to leave there and I made it alive, made it out alive, you know, and I got a top five on this piece of junk. I'm pumped, but, you know, just to make it out of there. But the result really, really doesn't show on TV or anything. You can't translate that story. So, uh, yeah, a lot goes into, if I'd never traveled and competed or traveled and raced, I would never know all the things that can go wrong, you know. <laughs> I mean, I've showed up places and my triple and bars are not, my, not in my gear bag. They're just not there. Got to run with that. You know, it's all these things that can happen when you travel. It's just crazy.
0: It's got to figure out a way to continue to, uh, to, to, to to entertain it and perform and at uh, your best ability and to not have the your regular controls is is not uh, um, uh, not optimal but uh, you make the best of a situation um, when you were a, a factory rider with Yamaha did you get any static or or uh, kind of backlash from the the freestyle like the kind of some of your peers being like oh like you got so many advantages that we don't have or, or, or something along those lines because uh, uh, when you do when you have the the benefits of a lot of Things the tendency sometimes for people to get uh, to jealous of things that they do not have.
1: Haters, haters, no. haters. Uh, <laughs> this is the
0: no, Instagram. Not, not from, even not
1: from the Yamaha thing. It was. Uh, it was. If they were, I, would, I didn't notice it. I was so stoked on what my program was. Uh, and
0: if they were hating on me, I,
1: I didn't notice it. But uh, no, I mean, I mean, there's always going to be that. And there's, you know, most freestylers, I'd say 99 percent of them get along. But there's, I mean, there are those rivalries. And the people that uh, aren't just aren't easy to get along with, but uh, but no, man, I never from the Yamaha thing and, and the factory ride thing, I never had a an ounce of flack from that, and it was just all, you know. And if I did, like I said, I was just too focused on my own thing to to even notice. So that was just uh, just a great time in my career, and, and uh, yeah, no, I didn't catch one bit, one bit of one bit of backlash on that. So
0: fair enough. Well, let, let's talk about progression and and talk about uh, like when. You- for anyone who spent uh, more than uh, fifteen minutes, uh, like either being passionate about motocross and researching it on YouTube, has most likely rolled across uh, some uh, some not so highlight footage of I think, believe it was one of your very first attempts at a backflip. Oh, uh, where yeah. <laughs> where did you go from that panic rev to uh, going upside down uh, like you're, you're walking? Because for me, I come from a freestyle skiing background uh, from when I was younger. Okay. Uh, as soon yeah. like. As, as soon as I had backflips in my head, as soon as I could make like understand the the distance of the jump and the, like throwing it with my like just throwing the flip, I never I never didn't land one to this day, never not landed a flip. Mm, um, yeah. Like as soon as I had one to my feet, the first couple didn't uh, didn't go to plan on water ramps, but after that, it's just it like it's like walking. You just step through it. It's it, it's the easiest thing in the world. But what was that progression like for you heading over to uh, Maryland and eventually uh, making those things your bitch?
1: well let me start a little earlier that 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 one that where i'm you know i land upside down on my face basically that was about i want to say about a month before x games yeah it was it was about four weeks before x games and i had recently learned backflips on a bmx bike i'd never done a backflip except on a trampoline or you know off a cliff into a lake or you know something like that so i'd never backflipped a bike of any sort and uh went out to uh just a bmx park here in southern california it was called point x bmx park it's kind of like a woodward but i don't think it's around anymore but uh anyway learned a backflip on my bmx bike on a resi and then it was you know i was 19 i was kind of young and dumb i guess I, I just thought hey i can get this down for the next month before x came so the one where i'm panic revved upside down to land on my stomach that was i learned literally two days before that stuck some flips on a bmx bike and and uh not cocky or anything but I thought, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go for this. I think I can do this. And obviously I was wrong and landed on my face. I broke my collarbone, separated my shoulder pretty bad, got knocked out. But, uh, anyway, I rode X games four weeks later. I made the finals, got last in the finals, which was eighth. And then, uh, yeah, a couple I finished healing. And then, uh, Travis had actually invited me out to his house in Maryland. And, uh, he didn't even have a phone pit at that time. He had a phone pit for BMX bikes, but, uh, So started from scratch there at Travis's house, went back to the BMX bike, then landed flip on a XR 70. And then, uh, yeah, backflip my 250 on the, the super kicker ramp and, and, uh, that little bark mulch dirt step up he's got. And, and, uh, after I landed the first one and then I had a few crashes later that day. Uh, I think I landed five in a row that morning, then had a few crashes later that day, took that night off. Next morning woke up, started sticking them again. And, uh, and like you were saying and I know I've had some crashes here and there on flips but it was uh not necessarily the flip that went wrong it was a trick that went wrong while I was upside down you know and that stuff but uh but yeah pretty much from from that moment on it was uh for about the next 6 months that was the trick that I had to go out and do first every day just to get it off my mind i mean i i thought about when i was sleeping when i was eating when i wo- went to sleep when i woke up and it was kind of like it Anxiety within me. I had to literally go out, get on my bike, just go do a few flips, then go through my all my other tricks do a few more flips, and then I'd be done for the day. So I just knew that that this sport was going that direction. If you weren't flipping, you were soon going to be irrelevant. So uh, yeah, I, I it was uh, I think Pastrana, Metzger, myself, and then Deegan were the first four to learn them, and, and there was no motocross foam pit anywhere in the world at that time. So uh, yeah. that's kind of another feather in my cap. I really feel. I, I wish there would have been some bits from other cross bikes. It would have been a lot less painful process, but, but uh, yeah, we did it the hard way back then. And, and, you know, like, like you were saying, you know, you have that feel for it. You know, when I I'm at a contest and, you know, I'm riding, you know, the ramps are usually no big deal, but like a dirt jump, you know, it, it's new. It could be soft or rutted and you're kind of, I'll notice myself thinking a bunch through practice, jumping it, thinking about flipping it. And I go, you know what, just go. If you just go, you know, you just know what to do. Like you say, you just walk through it off the lip. You just have to feel that lip and know where, know where your leaning point is and how hard to lean, how much throttle and all that. And, and, uh, luckily it's worked out up until this point. If I, usually if I just turn, you know, I mean, I'm sure when you drop in down that hill and you have your mind, okay, this is the time I'm flipping on your skis. Well, when I round that corner, you can kind of just feel it like, yep, this is the one. And you just go by feel and, and and you do it. You just, it's something that's ingrained into me from so much practice, you know, so not that it's easy or not nerve wracking. It is, but, uh, it is, it, it's, it's something you can't explain to someone, but you just yeah. have to know, know how to do it and feel it and just go. You just have to go, just go <laughs> and you'll do it's, it, you know?
0: <laughs> totally. It's, uh, it's almost as if you're doing the backflip, even when you're in the corner, you're like, it's all part of one motion. You're like around the corner and mm-hmm. look at the ramp and mm-hmm. over it comes.
1: That was perfectly. That's per, It's almost like it's. It's everything. It's from the entrance of the corner till the berm after the landing. Is it's all one one thing. It's all one trick or one motion. And I'm not telling people on the dirt bikes to go round a corner and look at the takeoff and pull back. You have to know how to flip first, and that was a very painful and and hard process for me. But once once you're on the level, that myself and you know the other top guys are at where you're at on skis. It's yeah. It's um, basically you can jump a jump once and know yes, I can flip this, or no, it's it's just not right, not, not right. You know, the landing's too tall or the lip's too mellow or whatever it is, you know, so it's definitely a, a feel type thing. You just feel it, and when you know it's right, you just do it.
0: No doubt. Well, uh, I, I made uh, I made a pact with myself after learning backflips in 2006 that going forward from there, the first jump of the year that I like is obviously up in Canada. You, you can't ski year round. First jump of the year had to be a backflip. No, no, uh, no, like like straight <laughs> air had to be a backflip, and uh, I, I'm successful in continuing that. Uh, it, it's 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 always worked out in my favor so far. And uh, knock on wood, uh, yeah, keep going here. like that. But uh, no, like. It, but before there was backflips there was guys who uh like are, the backflips first came in i think of the the video uh, that i kept, comes to my mind uh is chapter 2 is the fact that uh Pastrana and Metzger were the only two guys that uh, were because at the, at the time i believe uh, you were dealing with few injuries and hadn't had the backflip totally locked down um both drake McElroy and uh kenny bartram were two guys that weren't flipping but uh were were podium contenders weekend and week out uh and uh that was a that was an interesting time guys really trying to maximize everything they could do on a motorcycle without going upside down
1: yeah and you know um you know kenny and obviously kenny shortly uh shortly came around and started flipping and became one of the best flippers as well in that area but but uh you know, Drake tried, tried, uh, without the flips, he had some nasty crashes and, and he was one of those guys that was very creative with transfers and kind of combination tricks. And, and for a few years, I mean, even all through that time, Drake knew, you know, cause I was, I'm still buddies with Drake and he knew he had to figure that out or his career was going to be short lived in, in competition of freestyle. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, guys like Dustin Miller and, and there was guys that could, could make it work for, for a period of time. They could, they could still be competitive and uh, even if someone was flipping and they had any type of mistake in their run, these guys' runs were so good, it would they'd beat that guy even though he flipped. But then, you know, the rest of his run kind of sucked. You know, you know, Drake or a Dustin or a Kenny Barchin, they'd still beat him. And so, uh, one second here, and, uh, Enzo was calling me. I had a red button. I'm going to have to call him back. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and I just knew at that time it, it, it's not going to happen this month or next month or really, you know, very quickly, but there's going to there's gonna come a time in the next two to three years. It was just kind of how I felt. And it turned out to be true that basically, if you're not flipping, the phone's kind of going to s- stop ringing and you're a bit my ability to qualify for these events. And, and that was back when there really was qualifying events to get into X Games and this type stuff. Uh, I just thought, man, if you're not flipping, you're going to get left behind. And, and that's why uh, I was just so gung-ho to do it right off the bat and and have it you know i wanted to just know how to flip and just know how to manipulate my bike and be comfortable upside down and that's why i put so right off the bat that's why i just made it my my main objective is to just get this trick on lock and and uh and be able to flip wherever i go if i went overseas or somewhere high elevation it didn't matter i wanted to be flipping my bike so you know what's up everybody this is nate adams with death family you're listening to the big mx radio show we'll go into commercial we'll be right back
0: When it's time to turn heads, Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes, or go with the same color all the way around. Either way, Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking to set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, turn some heads, and be able to change your bike's look on the fly, head to Spokeskins.net. They don't just have Spokeskins on their website, they've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale, and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines Oversized Rotor Kit, and front brake lines as well. To so do what I did. Head to spokeskins.net today. Place your order and get set up to turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered. I was just joking, man. Make, 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 money, take money, earn, earn, Deft Family Gloves. Deft means showing cleverness and skill in handling things. What you want to see in football and basketball is some deft handling of the ball. Some people are physically deft, like accomplished athletes, motorsports professionals, and martial arts masters. Their movements are fast, graceful, and deliberate. Others might be mentally or intellectually deft. You could describe a beautifully written essay as deft, or talk about a politician's deft work on an anti-bullying bill. The source of deft is the Old English gedeft, meaning mild or gentle, which became deft in Middle English, along with its meaning of apt, skillful, and adept. Deft family represents a united family of athletes, artists, and creative individuals Inspired by the underground lifestyle. Founded by a core crew of friends. Influenced by music, arts, culture, sport, faith, and fashion. We provide the essentials of the modern day movement through a vision of free-flowing culture, formed by motivation and necessity for change through passionate minds while remaining ahead of the mainstream, common, and popular beliefs. Hashtag deaf Family is not just a brand, it's a lifestyle. We are Deft. All Deft Family product and merchandise is shipped directly from Temecula, California and handled with care. So head on over to deftfamily.com, explore the website, and find out all things deft, and become part of the deft family.
1: If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You, too, can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Canard wears, jimmy alberson wears and many others the f2 carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety lightweight materials phenomenal airflow and a super comfortable sweat absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few and did i mention how super tricky these helmets look straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack if you are looking for one amazing helmet look no further than the f2 carbon from fly racing for more information about fly helmets and other products from fly racing Visit them on the web at flyracing.com.
0: What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a... That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of amigos. For extreme kids like us. racing Man But more than bikes What did Jeff was a fat Cereal V's goes. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. In motocross, everyone wants one common thing. To simply enjoy the ride. Sand, clay, loam, concrete, and everything in between. Riders all want to be able to enjoy their ride. But today's arena cross... Tomorrow's Glen Helen, and Saturday we're heading to this gnarly sand track. How can we be sure our suspension is always dialed in? For most, employing a full time practice technician is unrealistic, and even for those who have one, setting suspension is still a chore. Get a measuring tape, scratch a mark on the fender or rear number plate, and attempt some backward math to find 105 millimeters. Does this tape even have millimeters on it? Forget that. Head to Motul.co today and set your sag every time you ride with the Slacker Digital Sag Scale. Let's hear from Johnny K. himself on how this thing works. So uh, really basically you would just uh, stick it on your axle with the magnet, stick the clip on your side plate basically where the arc of the axle would hit the side plate and then pull out the retractable cable, hook it to the clip, and turn it on, and then just
1: take the bike off the stand and, and take a measurement.
0: It's that easy. Trust tuning your suspension to Johnny K. Spear and Motul MX. So, what do you think of your sailor? Lighter than air and stronger than steel. So, what that means is it can move much faster. And I want you guys in a set of W Wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist, suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know if why you're listening to Brad's
1: podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show.
0: Hey, guys, this is Cade Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. And it automatically catapulted you to the uh, the basically the the... Premier of the sport, the the, the uh, like the uh, you're the, one of the superstars, and it was one of those things where uh, if you're going to have an event, if you're going to have a contest, you don't dare uh, leave out the destroyer because uh, not <laughs> only is he going to probably come in and, and podium, but he's going to put on a show like no other with the, these guys who uh, were, were were flipping, and uh, it was it was a really cool time in the sport. It was still we were. M- i'd say uh ninety percent of the guys are still on uh, on two strokes uh, mm. and uh, you really had that kind of th- it was morphing there was like there was more sponsors coming in uh there was like some bigger sponsors that were dedicating um, bigger dollars to it and uh that was kind of uh um, being a part of that was really important for you i believe in in the uh, the uh, the evolution of your career, being a guy who these companies could uh, could invest in very early and stick with for a long period of time, because if I think of anything that is is kind of constant through uh, f- through you and your career is that there's been uh, a core group of uh, of maybe five or six sponsors that uh, have been with you every single step. I think of a brand like DC that mm. uh, like I've been, been seeing you in in DC ads since the early 2000s, and, and even Dragon Goggles, like there yeah. was a time... Nobody wore Dragon goggles, but you Nate know, Adams did. Like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'll still get hit by people on my Instagram. Like, dang, I thought Dragon was just a snowboard company. I'm like, how could you think that? You know? <laughs> anyway, I, you know, I've been running run the goggles for over a decade. But, but yeah, I mean, I have – I'm so blessed, man. I, I have some – like you said, you know, Target – or excuse me. Um, you know, I, when, when the, the sport was growing, you know, I had these – opportunities to you know short-lived sponsorship a few years with target but they were great they had a great action sports program while that was going on and and they treated us awesome and and just to just to have that experience of having a corporate sponsorship it was it was really cool but you know companies like dc shoes and, and dragon and alpine stars and and uh you know i've been with these companies you know dc i i got I road for when i was 17 and and, uh, you know, back then I was really into BMX and skateboarding. Still am. I just don't do them as much. But, you know, if someone would have came up and said, hey, we'll sponsor you. You know, this is, this is Nike. We'll sponsor you. Or, hey, we're this is DC Shoes. We'll sponsor you. I would have picked the. D- Still would. You know, it was like that was my dream. And they came up to me and asked me. I'm like, what the heck is going on? This is awesome, you know? So uh, it, was, it, it was just all this stuff was happening. I was probably just the most exciting and, and motivating time of my life. Like there was no question when I saw Carrie Hart do that flip in '01 at Providence, Rhode Island at gravity games, uh, I'm doing that. You know, I, I have to do that. That's the level it was. It wasn't even like a thought process. It was just a done deal. When I saw him rotate that thing, I I thought you can do that. You can learn that I can learn that and do that like consistently that it's not just a one time. It's not a stunt. That's a, that's a trick. I can do that and do that over and over again. So it was just, it was just a time when the sport was growing extremely rapidly. Uh, it still is growing. Uh, but the, you know, you know what I'm saying? Those years it was, it was like, it was booming. It was just oh, exploding. It was like the fastest growing sport on the planet. Yeah. And, uh, you know those companies I'm it was still in with. D- Mountain Dew ads,
0: like, like it was in Winter X. They they made a, a, yeah. an event specifically for super uh, for freestyle so that could, it could be in in the Winter X Games, like a, a an event that it probably never really should have been in, but it was so <laughs> popular that they're like we're stuffing it in there because it's awesome. Yeah,
1: people wanted to see it, and it was like, yeah, I mean we're up there riding, it, you know, whatever it is, seven thousand feet on a block of ice. I don't know if everyone realizes that, but that's not snow. We had ice tires you know the yeah i forget studs. the name of it. i forget the company i was buying them from but they they come you know you send them your your stock dunlop tires and they come back with metal spikes sticking at them inch long metal spikes And I mean that thing was uh ice cube at winter x and that year you're right it was just it was growing so fast and everyone wanted to see it and it was just like well winter x games really doesn't cater to dirt bikes but let's have the event anyway the fans will love it and it was a hit for for you know five or six years and it was just uh you know that it was, it was just great. I, I think I got in at the right time with the right sponsors and here we are, you know, 10, 15 years later and, and those sponsors are are still back in me and, and it just goes to show what, what kind of, uh, companies they are. And, uh, I, I'm just blessed that, that, uh, I've been basically able to to hold the sponsorships. I mean, you, you develop friendships through the years with these people you work with, and and uh, you know it, you're you're friends with these people. But there's the business side, and, and you know I've been dropped by sponsors. I've been dropped by Target, and you know all the and you know Thor and, and all these other people through the years. And uh, you know the the business relationship ends, but uh, just the friendships you make through the years don't end. And uh, I don't know if it's like that. I've never worked in any in other industry, but I know in freestyle motocross it's like that. And, uh, I feel, I feel blessed that this is just what I chose to do and what I've stuck with even through the bad injuries and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade any of my sponsors in for, for anything, man. They, they stuck with me through the good and bad times when I've been hurt for over a year straight, they didn't cut one paycheck from me. They just wanted to see me get back on my bike. And, you know, I just can't even express the gratitude I have for, for that. You know, I've seen other guys that just have sponsors that have clipped them as soon as they have a bad year. And that was their livelihood. That's how they're keeping their lights on. And, uh, you know, anyway, it's just, uh, it can happen to anyone at any time. You know, it's a sport where in some aspects, you're only as good as your last race or your last contest. And, uh, I feel blessed that, you know, I've had, you know, some sponsors for over, for over 10 years and, and, uh, yeah, it's just definitely a blessing. I'm so grateful.
0: Plus, uh, a, a brand like DC, uh, like it's it's just like it's an aspiring brand to this day. Still, if you go to a, a, a store, you you want to leave that uh, store. Like, you're just hoping that the DC shoes fit the vest so that you can leave the, the store with them. Uh, and because <laughs> they always come out with great stuff, and it's it's a brand that everyone recognizes. And on top of all of that, uh, more than often than not, uh, a guy like yourself who looked up to the King Jeremy McGrath. It's incredible to see that he's still. Rides still like still on the top of the sport. Still throws the bike around. You mm. end up with a couple of ride days with this this gentleman uh, uh, on a regular basis. That is way too cool. I couldn't even imagine. Uh, like like I I'm blessed to just be able to get followed by him on Instagram. That's my only pleasure. <laughs> right, Jared McGrath. But uh, follow- that, I don't
1: think he's following me. That's cool. Oh man. come That's on, rad. he's
0: following you. But no, I don't uh, think so. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that, well. Maybe I'm better at Instagram. Maybe you're better at riding dirt bikes. Safe I, to say, I think
1: that's what's going on right now. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but you know what? I mean? That's really
0: cool that like through a a, a a company like DC can connect two legends of the sport like you guys and uh, um, coming from two different worlds, uh, and uh, but but coming together on the common ground of, of two wheels and uh, and and really just the passion for it.
1: Yeah, you know I think people, it's uh, DC. You know it's 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 an athlete-owned company, you know, Deer Deck, Danny Way, you know, Ken Block, these guys are all skaters and, and pros at it, and, you know, Ken Block with the rally car, these guys, they're not just, they weren't just businessmen, you know, they were doing these sports and started this company, and, and, you know, yeah, now it's, you know, Jeremy McGrath rides for him, even, you know, Jimmy Button, who's my manager, that's a trip to me that Jimmy Button, since I'm 17, has been my manager, and I consider Jimmy Button a good friend of mine, and, you know, Jeff Emig rode for DC, that's, I, you know, I wanted to ride for DC, and, and, uh, you know, now it's like I've been to Jeremy's ranch a handful of times and ridden with him. And we just did some photo shoots, uh, earlier this year for DC. And, and I'm riding with him and, and, you know, I got a chance to, you know, hang out with guys like Trey Kennard, who's a great guy. And, and just all uh, DC is just a great company. It's, it's, you know, uh, kind of like when I started, uh, Death Family back in 09, it was, you know, kind of our thing was, you know, uh, four riders, by riders. we we were a bunch of riders who never liked a single motocross globe we liked in. So we made one that we thought was what, motocrossers and bmxers and mountain bikers would like and and uh here we are you know seven years later and it's it's uh still going strong so i think that resonates with the fans you know i think that's why dc's done so well they know what a skateboarder is looking for in a shoe they know what a motocrosser or bmxer is looking for in a shoe and they do those things so they're it's real they're not taking a guess they didn't hire a liaison to tell them what what us athletes want you know they're just in the sports they're there at the events they're into it. They're passionate. They're checking it out. And I think that's what people, people gravitate toward that, and they respect it, and that it triggers something inside that says, hey, you know, just like it did to me looking into DC shoes, I want to ride for them because they know what the heck they're doing. They're there. Yeah. They're not just making shoes. They're there. Danny Way owns that company, and he's there. He just won in dc shoes like they obviously know what they're doing you know and and i've seen that uh, translate and resonate with our our fans and followers and deaf families uh you know we we made a glove that we were pro riders and we made a glove that we thought was what everyone else would want and it's going great and it turns out that's true so <laughs> we were the first glove only motocross company and and uh, now there's a slew of them out there and even in the bmx world there's there's guys uh pro bmx are starting their glove only co- uh, companies. so i feel like we kind of Paved some new ground there and uh and just kind of another you know feather in my cap i'm kind of i'm kind of proud of that you know and and death's still a small company we still uh we're still running on a, on a small basis it's just uh me and a couple other guys running the business and and uh, i like it that way and i think uh, i think the fans do as well well
0: let's talk a little bit about the, the how that developed uh you mentioned that mm-hmm. it, uh it's, it's- 7 years in the making now when they first came on the the scene immediately eye catching really cool and what i i noticed um, above all is the material that it that uh that the, the gloves are made of always top notch and it's uh, basically uh a uh, kind of um Affected how other companies design their own gloves. Like it, it's has uh, been a huge game changer. Not very unlike uh, a, a company like DC, which like I, I go to a track and be like, oh, I, I can't wear my DC shoes because the material that uh, uh, that are made of, they're they're not. Like they're they're not friendly to go to the Mora Cross track. They look they they don't look great afterwards. And a company like DC listens. You're like, oh, really? Okay, well, we'll come out with a shoe with this material that will, can withstand a track walk, and uh, you can wipe them off afterwards. Still looks uh, still looks okay. Does that sound good? And that's perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And you know, I think we did the same thing with Deft. Is is uh, you know, I was uh, riding for for another gear company at the time, and my gloves were very bulky, and you know, had some some parts of the palm had three layers on it, and there's all this rubber on the top side, and I'm thinking, you know, if a rock comes off the rear tire of that 252 stroke or that 450 right in front of me, is this tenth of an inch thick piece of rubber on my knuckle going to do anything? No. no. All it does is is pinch into me when I when I create a fist, you know, or all it does when all those extra layers on the palm do when, when, once my gloves get a little bit of moisture and it is that swells up, and now it's now it's uh, rolling over in my palm you ever gone to let go of your throttle and and your throttle stays on for a second cuz there's material bunched up in the palm of your hand i mean that was yeah. just all stuff we were like why is why are these companies doing this there seems like a total market for a whole new way to make a glove and to cater to rider specific not not just the person who rides once a month but the guy who's not maybe not even a pro but all he does is he eats, sleeps, dreams, wakes up about moto. What does that guy want in the glove? Probably the same thing I do, right? So yeah. we just applied that into our company and we made sure that our, our followers, our fans, our customers knew that. We're riders and we're making stuff for riders. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it really translated to our fans. I know it does because, you know, people tell me it does. And um, like I said, another little feather in, feather in my cap, I'm just proud of that. You know, I, I didn't I didn't know what I was doing when I really made a business. Back then it was about, just having cool gloves now it's it's also about that but you know seven years later now I knew what I was I know how to run a business and things like that back when I started it it was it was an eye opener when the business started taking off and the the demand was up and oh crap you know (laughs) how are we going to do this we have something that works now what are we going to do it works so now we got to keep it working so uh learned a lot through that but but yeah I think like I said earlier about you know people they're not dumb they get it you can run a, a fake charade or, or kind of facade and try to be something, but people figure it out. And if, if, if your product isn't, uh, backing itself up by what, by what you say, and if it isn't performing as well as you say, it's going to, people are, people will get it. And, uh, you know, they might give you a benefit of the doubt once or twice, but they're not going to be a return customer for long. And, and, uh, I'm just happy that, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're not the biggest company. But our, our customers, our fans, our followers, they are returned. They, they come back and they come back and, and they love our gloves and, and for someone to even at just like the local motocross track, I was at a Nitro circus uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico last weekend and, uh, and had a few people come up and tell me they love the gloves and, and they've had their gloves for over a year and don 't have a hole in them and, and that to me, that just, that's a huge compliment, and I, I appreciate it, but uh, yeah, just that, that knowledge of the what you're doing and, and you know being someone who does what your what your product is for, you know, that really translates to the fans and, and, uh, it's going good. So, on that note, I just want to thank everyone that supported Death Family through the years because, uh, it literally is, uh, I own it and a couple of, me and a couple of other buddies are running it and, and, uh, it's a small business ran out of my house and another buddy's house, uh, and, uh, we, we just, we do it because we love it and, uh, and that's it. So, I have to just thank everyone that supported us since, uh, since, uh, 2009. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool thing.
0: Well, oh, they're, they're a gorgeous product, and it's also it's uh, evolved over the year, years as well, uh, like uh, getting better all the time, better fabrics, and uh, everyone always wants to set themselves apart from the herd, and uh, and I think that the, the gloves do exactly that. Some wild colors, some really eye catching stuff, and on top of that, it's something that performs. And I think that that uh, on top of all of that, uh, your ability to like connect with uh, your fans and, and have this um, relatable feeling towards it. It's like, like I don't, know, I'm not too sure what it is because like I'm a construction worker by trade. I lay bricks all day long, but I still feel like uh, Nate Adams is my kind of guy, and that's what makes me want to go <laughs> buy uh, uh, some some Deaf Family gloves. And I think that that's can be true about a lot of people. Is uh, you're um, maybe you just have a way with bricklayers, but. Uh, um, <laughs> But there's got to be something deeper than that. I think that's really cool.
1: Well, thanks, man. Yeah, we've always just uh, tried to keep it real. And, and, uh, you know, the goal was was never to be, you know, uh, just be a a mass-producing company that's, you know, quantity over quality. We always just um, tried to do, you know, less is more. Even if these gloves cost us so much, hey, we can only do a run of – we can only buy 3,000 pairs of gloves this year and sell them well, that's what we're going to do. I'd rather do that than buy 10,000 pairs and be able to sell a crappy glove. You know, that'll just diminish your name. And when someone buys death family gloves, I think of it as they're, when they, when they see death family, they think of me. So death family is my company. So if I'm selling crappy gloves, that's that my name's on that package, you know, in, in a sense. So, so it's, uh, we, I just kind of never, never wanted that to happen. So we've always just tried to put the, the best materials in it, uh, you know the best stitching uh we've gone through a lot of uh back and forth with the factory just uh our factory getting things perfect i think we uh definitely for the first few years were really annoying <laughs> because we were so nitpicky about everything but uh but yeah it's uh, it's going great and i just can't thank our uh, our customers and our fans enough man it's been a it's been a great ride and i i hope it keeps going
0: well, you've been uh, uh, demanding of yourself for uh, per- uh, perfection as far as on the, on the bike. Not surprised that you demand nothing but perfection from uh, from the material and the the product that you'd produce. Because, like you said, it uh, um, it represents you. And I, think for those who uh, for know anything about Deaf Family, they know that you're the one who owns it. So it, it's it's kind of uh, it's, it's almost as if it has your name on it. And anyone who would mm-hmm. uh, do go go to the uh, the uh, lengths of having a business that uh, is represented of them is going to make sure that uh, it is exactly that. It's a representation of, uh, of what they think is quality.
1: Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And, and I agree. It's what I've always tried to do. And, and uh, if there's anyone in Canada who is interested, we, you can always uh, get them at our website, dot com or, uh, indeed distributions, Marcus Dubay, distributions yes, up in Canada. That's our distributor. So, uh, so uh, great people, and they they carry our full line. So um, yes, yeah, uh, any Canadians interested? Uh, well, we'd uh, we'd love to have you in Deaf Family Gloves. So check us out. <laughs> oh, and if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Deaf Family, all one word. So check us out.
0: Where did where did the Deaf Family think uh, 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 like come from? Like what 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 does Deaf Family mean?
1: Well, Deaf means uh, skillful, nimble, especially with the use of one's hands. And uh, family, it was uh you know it was kind of been a time in my life. I had recently moved out from Arizona where I had friends that rode, but when I moved out to California and, you know, I was, freestyle was taken off as a sport and for me personally, and, and uh, this area is just flooded with riders. And it was like I, I had moved into an area where I had a whole new brotherhood family and you know, I was riding every day of the week with buddy a buddy or multiple buddies. And I was used to, you know, in Arizona, I'd literally wait for my dad to get off work and then he'd come over to my property and watch me ride you know and that was it I'd I'd have to have someone my brother or a friend or my mom or my dad come over to watch me ride I moved out here to California I had all these buddies to ride with and it was like that was just it it was I was starting this glove company and depth was the perfect definition for what I wanted the gloves to represent and uh and it was like I had all these buddies that were willing to test the glove for me try it out give me pointers. So it was, uh, it was like I had a family around me and, and still do. And, and so it was deaf family and that's where it came from.
0: So, uh, I got, I got to imagine that, uh, when you're at these Nitro Circus, uh, live tours, if anyone's short on a pair of gloves, they're quick to hit you up.
1: Oh, absolutely! <laughs> if, uh, if anyone gets a hole in some gloves or, or forgot their gloves, but it it happens, um, yeah, definitely I'm the guy with I've got you know 10, 20 pairs of gloves on me at all times. So, and we we also have a couple other you know Bo Bamberg's uh, a Death Family rider, and and uh, you know things have happened. Michael you know, Lieb. He forgot a pair. Yeah, Michael Leeb, and you know wherever, if I'm at a contest or at a Supercross, if anyone needs gloves, they they know they can hit me up, and I got. I got some gloves on me. If they're not on me, they're in my backpack or they're in my van, so I can get them gloves shortly. So <laughs> that's me. I'm the, I'm the glove guy. So so and I love that. I love I love being able to help the buds out and get them out of a pinch. So it's all good.
0: It's all about the love man uh so w- w- uh, obviously you've been uh, involved with with uh, Travis Tran for a long a number of years uh and uh, been very active with the uh the Nitro Circus tour um obviously now being a new father uh do you see yourself pulling back from that stuff at all or uh is it all the more reason to uh to to to, to push hard and make sure that uh um you like you can provide for your now bigger family.
1: Yeah, you know it's uh it definitely started the wheels turning. My thoughts kind of start once I found out my wife was pregnant. I'm like, wow, you know this is a game changer. It's not all about me anymore. And and, uh, and it's funny, my wife's an emergency room nurse here in the town we live in, in Tenecula. So it's kind of like all her nursing friends and her mom's a nurse, and they all they all kind of so you know you're gonna start backing it down, right? And I'm like, nah, <laughs> I don't. You might think just start so. ramping I mean, it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start training harder and riding twice as much, pretty much. Double but backwards. no, I, I, I don't want to see, I mean, I don't see myself backing down. This is this is all I know. What am I going to go do? I, I have nowhere else to go or nothing else to do. So, um, I mean, it is changing the way I think. I, I do have to go home to two boys. But, I mean, like last weekend, I it was almost made me tear up to leave my boys for four days and go do these shows to, to make a living. But well, not once during either Nitro Circus show that I did last weekend that I ever think of, hey, maybe it's you know, we had wind and rain, uh, in all throughout the show. I mean, it was gusting up to 30 miles an hour and it was, we were definitely, you know, eyes open, head on the swivel. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was a little scary, but it was, when I'm on my bike, it's about, it's about getting the job done and having fun and, and, uh, feeding off the camaraderie there and and riding the best we can. Not ever once that I ever think, Hey, maybe I shouldn't, you know, maybe I should back out or complain about the wind or it's it's nothing like that. You know, I, I signed up for a job and I'm there to do it. So, uh, and I, and I love it. I, I, I don't, I don't see myself doing anything else. I don't want to do anything else. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's on my mind more. I, I don't know how to put it into words really. It's I, I want to go home and be healthy to my boys, but at the same time, I don't want to be a dad that, that shows by example to my boys that, you know, to back down or to not give a hundred percent. So I'm still going hard and going a hundred percent. am I'm going to go to X games this year and give her 110 as well as the nitro world games. And, and for me, it's, uh, my, my boys can get a few years old and, and come to these events with me and, and maybe retain a little bit of memory when they grow up. But that, that, that to me is, would be great, you know? So, Long story short, no, I'm not backing down or stopping.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> it's on full, say, you, full bore. <laughs> you want the opportunity to have your kids come to the to, to the event and know that uh, Dad's a badass. Like he's not just giving these guys gloves uh, and, and and passing out <laughs> uh, uh, merchandise. He's actually going out there and uh, and handing it to these kids and uh, like um i uh, you you mentioned that you're almost one of the year that you're, the, you're a, a a veteran of of uh freestyle motocross long mm. since of the days of uh Suzuki 252 strokes and, <laughs> uh, and warp warped industry uh uh a gear a warped industry gear um but oh man really,
1: you're going way back right there way so back. gear that's way back <laughs>
0: but uh uh this is good look by the way thank all you yellow thank gear you here with the the all all yellow bike very very good look um mm. but uh um it it's it's interesting to see uh you still being competitive still having that same fire that uh, that uh, i i'd mentioned that kind of described uh the early portion of your career um like what, what type of, uh, like you'd mentioned these, these kids, these younger kids, they, they'll, they they'll die for this stuff. How do you match that intensity? How do you, um, basically answer the call when these kids, uh, want to ramp it up?
1: Um, I mean, well, you've always got to be in a state of, of progression. Um, even if it's not as, as fast as it used to be when I was a teenager or in my early twenties, you have to be progressing and moving forward. And a lot of the times when I go to contests, I, I rely on my experience, um, you know, it's not just the riding. It's off the bike, too. It's, it's you know, what you do Monday through Friday matters on Saturday, you know? So, uh, you know, it's about eating right, sleeping, uh, showing up, bike prepared, having no other worries on my mind, um, not crashing in practice, not trying anything before I need to, if if that makes sense. And uh, also just being able to, like, even show up and look at a course and, and just know what's possible, what's not, transfer lines, uh, even – um, even being able to do things like I've done this in the past like intentionally sign up last for practice so in the last run through practice I'm the last guy on the course before qualifying or final start and I'll jump a transfer and then I'll flip it and then I'll do a flip trick over it and my practice is done and practice is over and no one has a chance to hit that transfer so Ha ha, you know, a little, little bit of deception there. And, uh, yeah, just, just like stuff it. like that. And, you know, it, you know, I know it's, it's, uh, it's happened uh you know, Jeremy McGrath is just a total badass on a dirt bike. And if there came a day, him, Ricky Carmichael, if there came days when, when, uh, was, uh, you know, they just didn't have the speed anymore. You know, I know that day's coming when, uh, when I'm not going to be uh, competitive anymore, but until that day, um, I'm going to give it 110, you know, and, and they'll know. They'll know they've been in the competition with me when they leave there. I might not beat them, but they'll know. <laughs> they'll know they were competing with me that weekend. So that's kind of the mindset I take to it. And, and uh, as, as long as I can stay competitive and keep the sponsors happy and, and still have fun doing it and be enjoying it as much as I am, I'm going to do it.
0: Well, um, that brings me to kind of one of the uh, – my next question is that w- what would be your kind of ace in the hole as far as a trick that uh, – w- with that those years of experience, uh, a trick that uh, like I think – through all those years, you've developed incredible control over your your motorcycle and control over your emotions heading into a competition. Something that maybe some of the younger guys don't have. Uh, what what's a tr- what's a trick, or maybe a couple of different tricks that you know that when the things get to the point where you really need to bust something out, uh, that you can do exactly that.
1: Well, um, I think more than just a certain trick. I've I've uh, I know that I can do. Um, pretty much 90% of what I can do on it anywhere. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. That's like, I'm not really going
1: to go. I'm not really going to go anywhere and say, oh, I can't do this trick this weekend. This ramp's not right. Or I don't like this dirt. Dip. I don't like how it feels. Or the landing's too mellow or too steep. I That's kind of where I I feel like I'm not trying to brag, but I've thrived through my contest career is um, I've been able to, hey, if some guys couldn't do a 360 because the corner's, or the ramp's too, too close to the corner. And, you know, I've, I've been able to adapt to that and not every single time, but, but most of the time. And that's, that's kind of where my confidence lies that right when I look at a course, I can kind of begin planning my run and saying, okay, yeah, I can do everything I can do here. I'm going to do this on this jump, this on this jump. I'm not going to do this transfer till the end of practice or till my qualifying run. You know, I can just start, I've seen enough contests that I feel like I can go to contests and competed in enough that I could go there and, and, uh, Kind of before anyone's even ridden the course, I can kind of already see things playing out a little bit. Knock on wood, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I that's kind of where that, that's kind of where my strengths lie.
0: Well, it, it's nice to be able to have uh, basically a wide open playbook from uh, from beginning to end. Uh, like I gotta imagine for for some of the either the uh, the less experienced guys or guys that aren't as uh, uh, confident on on the, their their motorcycle that uh, they might be able to do certain tricks from like ramp to ramp or in a certain a certain distance. But uh, as soon as you start to push that distance or, or push the wind or some different conditions uh, off of a dirt lip, uh, certain tricks that they're they're capable of get either blacked out or crossed off the list is something that's not an option on that day and uh it, what you're telling to me is that uh th- those tricks don't uh, don't happen to you too often you feel like um from tip to tail you can go through your list and uh for the most part be able to bust out anything anytime which is uh is a handy skill to have
1: it is i mean and sometimes you know and that's pretty much what i'm saying and there has been times where the, where the weather's prevented there it's too windy for a 360 or something like that but but um through the years i've, I've just seen that kinda of happened more than once and I've actually gotten lucky on some some big contest where it's been windy all day and literally it was like a godsend. I mean literally the wind died down for two or three minutes during my run and I just could go out and do everything I wanted and then as soon as I pulled off the wind kicked up again and it was windy for the next guy's run, you know? And uh, there's been numerous occasions where I've I've seen that happen and just gone, Wow, you know, thanks God. That yeah. that was uh couldn't have been anybody else but you but uh you know I, I just through the years I've I've uh, I think it's more than more than how I explained it a minute ago it 's just consistency and uh and yeah you know it's uh, i I don't want to back down i when i when I go there I want to be able to the fans that are um, not just freestyle fans but more specifically my fans in the stands I know if if they're looking forward to seeing the you know a lazy boy flip or whatever it is for me then i don't do that that's a bit of a disappointment to them you know so uh you know if I went to a supercross track and jerry McGrath won and he didn't he didn't do a knack-knack, I'd be like, oh, why didn't you do a knack-knack, you know? Yeah, so I just, why I did to I even my... show up? Yeah, yeah. i, I just this watch one. this whole race, he didn't do a knack-knack, and he won. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I want to be able to give the fans what they came to see, and, and also for me, it's, it's a confidence thing that, hey, I can do this, you know, rain or shine or whatever it is, you know, even on a day where I might, I might be jet-lagged, you know, for traveling or something like that, uh, just to be able to go out and do my run and be consistent on it, I think that's where my, my strengths lie
0: totally agree and uh, one of the one of the the tricks that I really wanted to bring up with you is is one that's uh, it, it's bitten you a few times in the past it's one that not too many guys have in their uh, their bag of tricks it's the 360 and it, that's a, tri- a trick that when it first came out it was uh, there, there wasn't too many guys that that were trying it back then there's not even too many guys who do it now yeah. um, right. how did you work towards doing it Um <clears throat> In its earliest of days, it was more of a kind of rodeo style, um, w- almost like a, a kind of a, just a, a backflip that was thrown out to the side a little bit. How has it progressed over the years, and uh, w- what's kind of the uh, the hardest thing about that trick? Because uh, even to this day, it, 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 there's not a lot of guys that are willing to take it on.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, right when you know Deegan and Travis did it in '03 at uh, Summer X Games, I just I couldn't get it off of my mind for a while and and, uh, I basically started working, working toward it. And, uh, Kyle Loza, uh, let me use his phone pit for, for months. And, and I just knew that if I had that, it would set me apart. You know, a lot of people were starting to learn flip tricks and, uh, invent new ones. And, and that, that, the flip trick category was really expanding. So I, I didn't want to back off of that, but I just kind of wanted to step outside of that and learn something completely new. So, um, but yeah, they, uh, a lot of guys, and I've even done some in competition, you know, pulled at the wrong time, and they kind of just look like an off-axis back. But really, the goal is to get your bike as flat as possible. I mean, I mean, horizontal to the ground or even more right side up. But, uh, you know, I've tried throwing them like a, like a BMX bike, and it's, it's so inconsistent. And even I, I had some good, uh, you know, kind of high sides under-rotating them when I first started trying them, trying to make them as BMX-ish as possible. So really, the goal, I, I just, I know we call them 360s, but I, I mean, they're basically a flat spin. You know, a flat yeah. spin 360, if you want to call them that. But, uh, but yeah, they were just, uh, they're a really hard trick. Um, you know, like if you're going up to a backflip, there is a window of opportunity to slip. It's, it's really short, but, but, uh, the, the opportunity to pull at the right time for a backflip is, is much larger than that window on a flat spin three. So that's really what, what puts the fear into riders. That's my fear of it is just a little bit too early or a little bit too late of a pull. And, uh, you know, I've had hands come off, my throttle hand come off. Luckily, I saved it, still rode out. I pulled too early and my kind of my leg hit the seat before it, you know, before my bike had left to take off. I kind of fell into my seat and it blew my throttle hand out. It was really sloppy. So anyway, the, 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 that window to pull that opportune time is really short on flats and threes. So that's what, uh, I think the fear factor is on them. And that's why there's, you know, it's only, myself and Jay Renee Bilko I uh, don't might still be doing them I haven't done it, seen him do them doing for a while but he's too busy doing double front flip supermans but anyway yeah they're just they're just a really uh, they're a technical trick so
0: no kidding. And like, uh, what, what was it like for the first time that you touched your wheels down after one of those? Like, um, at that time, you were you're no doubt very uh, usual. you used to like spotting your landing for a backflip, but to come around flat spin, looking around the, the your lead shoulder uh, to find a landing and uh, to make sure both wheels come down at the same time. Uh, both nerve wracking and uh, exhilarating all at the same time.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, just like just like. Um... You know, I like got pastranas, and I was doing flips off that little step up with the bark mulch landing. You know, a little little dirt step up, and then you, you know, set the super kicker up to a landing, and it's go time. He's that that same feeling. You know, we only had out at Lowe's phone pit. His riding area, we only had one super kicker ramp. So I was doing the flaps and threes off a of super kicker uh, into the phone pit for probably a month, and and I had him. You know, I hadn't messed one up in in days, and and you know, probably did you know twenty in a row, and it was just that day I decided to move the ramp over to landing. And, gave it a few test jumps and you know like we talked about earlier just turned the corner and felt it and that was the one and and uh you know pulled and it worked out and you know just obviously it was was similar to a first backflip you know it was a really good feeling and and uh then I was just trying to do as many as I could every day on the dirt and then a few months later I wanted to do them off the the 75 foot ramp so uh and that's kind of when I started crashing on them a lot (laughs) the 75 foot ramp was much harder to to do it on than the than the uh the popper ramp but awesome feeling man it's uh you spot your landing a lot later than on a flip so it's uh it's a cool feeling to land on for sure
0: well the bigger the ju- the jump you take this particular trick to the more patient you have to be and uh the timing as far as the rotation is very tricky to uh to, to spot I know for for like a flat spin 3 or a flat spin 5 or 7 it's it, it's for for me uh, when, it's when it comes to skiing like it, it all has to it has to come around late but it has to start early at the same time I don't know if that makes sense but there's a lot of times when people like you're you're literally you'll, you'll travel uh through the air almost backwards uh on a three sixty flat spin uh for more than you would do anything else
1: yeah yeah, it is i mean it 's uh and the same thing as when I said you know that that uh opportunity to pull is very short the same thing with with landing a flip compared to a three um, you know if you over rotate a three it's it's uh you you can't stop your your rotation so not only are are you dropping you know you know i guess top to bottom but your your bike is I guess the wheels are sweeping under you there,
2: right. you
1: know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not the, the rotation is in the, re- the direction, the wheels are spinning. So if you over rotate one, you know, you can get lucky. Like I've done and I've seen Bilko do is just catch the side of the tires and just slide out down the landing, which you still get, you know, jacked up, <laughs> messed up doing that. But, or I've seen, you know, people over rotate them that they they just land on their side. There's, you know, feet are on the pegs, but they land on their hip, you know, because that, just that moment that the wheels passed the ground and didn't, didn't touch, you know, yeah. and over rotation is really bad as well. But anyway, it's, it's, uh, I think that's kind of why the trick's scary and, and that still scares me to this day. I've been doing them for over 10 years and, and, uh, even when, and I do one today and they're, uh, and, and, you know, most of the time that I get a great reaction from the crowd when I do them in contests. So, so yeah, I still, uh, I still hang on to that as, as you know, three knacks, one handed threes. Is kind of my, my definitely my toughest tricks in my run.
0: Absolutely, that would be uh, if you really need to bump it up a notch, pull something like that. Um, you'd mentioned earlier in the podcast that you'd had some, uh, some shoulder problems. Uh, uh, I, I myself have had some, some shoulder dislocation problems, both shoulders, and actually, similar timeline as to yours. Finally got healthy. One year later, the next one pops out. What are the current, uh, the current health state of your shoulders and, uh, um, what's that, what was that, uh, progress back, back for you, um, becoming healthy again because the least stable joint in the human body, once it's disrupted, never the same again.
1: Oh, man, uh, shoulders are so tough to deal with. Uh, anyone that's, uh, you know, badly injured their shoulder knows, but, um, yeah, yeah. When I when I did my left shoulder uh, about three and a half years ago, it completely severed the axillary nerve, which um, stems off your spinal cord and serves all all your shoulder muscles, all your deltoids and stuff. So I lost all my deltoids. I had basically had no deltoids for about a year. Um, I had the you know operation to fix my joint and, and my humerus that broke and shoulder blade and all that. And uh, and uh, you know about a year and a half later, I started seeing muscle growth, and uh, it's getting better and better. Um, but, uh, I guess I'll go back a little bit about almost a year to the day after left shoulder, I did my right shoulder and it, uh, did a three quarter tear of the axillary nerve. So I lost a lot of size in my deltoids, but they started coming back about five or six months later. But, um, so yeah, I'm, I, I haven't re-injured them at all. And, and, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had a, a big crash or a big injury in the last couple of years, which is great because my shoulders put me out for, for over a year combined with both of them. So, um so yeah, I mean I'm healthy and, and uh riding and having fun and still progressing and learning and, and I'm healthy. So <laughs> that's the best thing.
0: Absolutely and great to see. I think uh the sport of uh freestyle motocross isn't the same with uh the destroyer on the uh on the sidelines. Everyone is a little bit uh too calm and collected when they're not uh worried about uh about you dropping the hammer. <laughs> Oh thanks, bro. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. <laughs> I hope they feel that way at least. <laughs> I, I'm you know what, I'm sure they really, they truly do. Now um I would, I'd be interested to find out what the uh, the greatest difference is because I know you were at one time a factory Yamaha rider. The bikes were always on point and uh, for the most part, probably not a whole uh, a, lot, a ton of the work was being, like, on the prep work was done by, by yourself but not, not the same could be said about uh, your competition bikes when you're on Hondas and uh, honestly, I imagine that a lot of the work that you're doing or uh, your bikes that are rolling to the line nowadays are, are, uh, are, are tuned by yourself. So what would be the biggest difference between uh the uh the cr250 that uh um when you were running uh, thor gear von zipper goggles way back uh to the uh the jesky uh custom mx uh <laughs> that you uh, that you're riding now
1: yeah it's uh you know for a while there um the uh the financial ability and the, and the resources to to pay a mechanic and and also there was a lot more you know uh, x fighters was was going huge every year Due tour x games x games is going uh, worldwide so we were constantly competing and i just couldn't keep up but but yeah i have had a uh, pleasure working with tony jesky at jesky X customs and um and derek mahoney uh as well as uh both guys i developed great great friendships with and uh, uh anyway yeah me and derek and tony are all still tied to this day and and, uh, Derek introduced me into hunting, which is like my, my favorite thing to do (laughs) besides ride dirt bikes. So, so anyway, it's been been great to work with those guys through the years and, uh, also work with a lot of other great guys that, uh, that, uh, helped me out through some, some contests and seasons as well. But, uh, but man, it was, um, you know, the, some of the bikes that Derek and and Tony Jeske put together for me, you know, I just didn't have to worry about anything other than, than riding, especially the, the four and a half years that Derek Maloney worked for me. It was, uh, it was like we were like brothers for that time it was we were together you know five days six days a week and and uh, just riding and training and only thing we're doing is working on being better and and getting ready for the next contest and you know, all I had to do is just hop on my bike and get off and hand it to him and it's ready to go the next day or whenever I want to ride it again you know if I'm you know ready for next moto or you know washed and prepped and ready for the next day you know, oil changes on time, rebuilds on time and all that stuff. So it was uh, it was a fun time in my career when it was when it was uh, you know, um uh, the right thing to do basically. I, I couldn't do it without a mechanic. So um so today um I do have a mechanic that uh helps me out. Um Jamie Ellis, uh Twisted Development here. He's just up the road from me in Murrieta, California. But uh mm-hmm. the, uh but you know, day to day I'm just doing my own stuff and whenever I need, you know, something major or uh, I'll call Jamie and, you know, he'll rebuild a motor or split cases or whatever I need done or frame a bike, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, day to day, it's just me and, and it's all good as I, I enjoy working on, on bikes and, uh, you know, it's all good, but, uh, I miss those mechanic days, man. <laughs> no
0: kidding. Although get one of those guys at your beck and call, uh, switching clickers <laughs> and, uh, and keeping the thing yeah. in tip top shape. Uh, it, it's something that we, we would probably take for granted when we got it and, uh, and, and think to ourselves that we'd never take it for granted again, if we could have it back just for, what Oh it no,
1: did. never. And, <laughs> and one thing, especially when I worked with Tony and, and Derek is they're you know, great writers themselves and I've worked with, you know, Tony's worked for, uh, you know, Derek road nationals and, I mean, you guys qualifying for motos inside the top 10 and stuff. And, and uh, so, you know, the guy knows motocross and bikes and Tony worked for, you know, factory KTM and, and when we go ride, I mean, they're, they're, they're watching me and they're saying, Hey, you know, this and that pointing out little things that you just don't ever address when you're just riding with your boys, you know, no one's actually watching me like a hawk, you know, to see everything you do. So it's definitely uh a lot of camaraderie and brotherhood and those two relationships and just good times, you know, is uh, just, um, we always had a goal and a you know contest to win or something to go do or a bike to build or something. And it was just uh, yeah, a lot of good times, but, uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it's all good. I'm doing it on my own now and it's, uh, I enjoy it. So <laughs> I'm on my bike almost every day. So it's cool with me.
0: I love it. Um, well, so you'd mentioned uh, about the Dew Tour, and the Dew Tour, I think, is something that really uh, pushed the the level of, of freestyle motocross because there was constant competition. Guys were having to come mm. out with with new tricks, bigger extensions, bigger variations, seemingly every single week. And now you see uh, whether it was the uh, the Nuclear Cowboys for a short period of time. You have uh, the uh, the Nitro Circus Tour, uh, but it's more of a show. And like, although you still want to perform your best, there's less uh, uh, incentive for guys. To go out there and absolutely just uh, uh, just blow things up and and really drop something that people have never seen before. Except for there is like there's there's the X Fighters and of course now with uh, um, the Nitro Circus games as well as X Games. Like with with fewer uh, opportunities to compete, do you feel like that kind of slows the progression or kind of uh, takes takes things a a step back a bit and maybe uh, takes a little bit of the competition out of the community?
1: You know. Kind of, but no, uh, in a way, but no. And, you know, you touched a really good point with the, when we had X games and Dutour and, and Rebel X fighters. I mean, that was like when Cordova flips or Server flips. And that's when I made up Lazy Boy flips. And that's when Pastrana came out with, you know, Superman flips and flip levers were invented. It was just a crazy time for the sport. It was just, it was progressing so fast. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like I was saying earlier, it's changed from old contests. And it's a, you know, it's probably, you know, 60, 40, you know, shows and, uh, you know, demonstration tours like Nitro Circus, which I'm pumped to be a part of again this year. And, and uh, you know, 40% contest, but you know, that progression is still there, but I see where I think a lot of guys are, um, you know, who are maybe don't have the means or just aren't, you know, and no offense to them or anything. They're, they're happy being, you know, a demo rider or a guy can go to a contest and get, you know, fifth or sixth. And they're cool with that. They're, they're not willing to lay their life on the line to go, you know, win a contest and, and they, their progression is stopped because they, you know, they don't need to triple flip to make their living, their living now, you know, doing shows and a few contests here. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. the the area where people are progressing is like, like Josh Sheehan, you know, triple flip. I mean, you know, these, you know, Tom Padges and bike flips and, and Taka doing, but you know, I ride with Taka all, uh, probably, you know, once a week at least sometimes two or three times. And, uh, you know, he, he every time he rides, he does body variables california roll rock solid flip you know the uh, double grab flip double grab indian air so he does he goes through all his tricks every single time I and mean, that guy's still progressing and uh but it's just um i think there's just not as many contests every year to show him on and uh you know the, the like the guys do like josh Sheehan and the guys in the nitro circus are just pushing things so far with all these double front flip variations and it's just uh, i think the progression's kind of move to a slightly different area of the sport more more maybe even toward the show aspect and the entertainment side than the competition side but it's definitely still there man i mean triple flip that's that's not even joking that that's is video game like stuff that. that is video <laughs> insane,
0: game stuff right? i don't think you can right? pull that in there's a few video games where i don't think there's a jump that you can pull a dri- a triple backflip on that is how ridiculous that is
1: it's just beyond video game yeah josh yeah. Sheehan is, he's a legend for that one forever
0: I'm no kidding. Uh, was, do you know if there was anybody else that was kind of going after that at the same time, trying to knock that down, or was it kind of the whole community be like, "Go for it, man! You're on your own on this one." <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know of anyone else that was going for that. I know. I think Travis did some into the the uh, the the airbag, and I think yeah. Tom Page maybe, but but I don't know if anyone else was really working at that like like Sheehan was. I think that was uh, he he made that one his own and. And he he put his mind on that and accomplished it, but... Wow, man! I mean, that's just—I mean, he was third year wide open on a four fifty. You know how fast that is. That's really fast.
0: That's really fast, and like, and at the at the <laughs> end of that year, like, that's fully extended throughout that. Like, he's go, he's going into that ramp close, if not over highway speeds, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and just yanking back on the bars. I don't know. I don't understand. How he doesn't come off the motorcycle at any point. Like, I don't yeah, imagine, yeah, just like, the inertia through flips just, like, just
1: peel you off the bike. You know? Yeah. But, like I feel like you yeah. just
0: like clinch to the bike so hard and just like like hope she comes around and it was steep enough of a landing that you'd hope like if as long as you make the distance you'll even if you end up on your head, you're just gonna slide down but uh it that was that was pretty intense i, I
1: uh, oh cool. ah. yeah I, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. I can say that on the radio. I'm not doing a triple slip but. No. <laughs> That's but, off uh, to Josh Sheehan for doing it that is insane. it's amazing but, to see but, guys, yeah. So the, the, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: ahead. It's just amazing to see guys like you, because I know Travis has done it a couple of times, uh, to see Josh uh, throw a double backflip in a run, like go up there and uh, backflip Cordova, uh, Superman, Indian Air, double backflip, like what?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. He's been doing that for like three or four years now in his runs. It's just, you know, it's crazy. He's got the double flip wired so good. Uh, yeah, Shane's the man. He took the sport to another level too. He was—I uh, think—he brought some great work, work ethic in, and and just—he's uh, clean cut and good dude, and and uh, he's a lot he, and he's a solid dude. Super fun to be around. Talented. He's, he's an athlete for sure. And uh, I mean, he just uh, doesn't mess around. You can tell he's focused, and and, uh, and I've even done demos, just like jump shows at like the Geneva Supercross, and he does double flips at demos. That's super yep. cautious. Like, like, does a double flip to the finish line landing. He's a madman. The, dude, the dude's insane. He'll yeah, do it's... a double flip off any ramp anywhere. It's crazy. You know, the whole issue we're talking about with bikes. And you're just, even if you have a great bike, it's not your bike. You know, it's, yeah. even if you have a brand new bike, it's only been, you've only had it started up for a half hour, an hour at the max by, you know, by the time you ride practice and then the show. I mean, if it's a new tight bike. It's only got, around. know, he can double flip it. He's a wild man, but, uh, but yeah, so the progression is still there. I just think it's kind of moved to a different, different area of the sport. Fair enough. So, uh,
0: what's the attitude of the, uh, the veterans towards the, uh, the up and comers, the guys who, uh, uh, may not have had a a deep, like a deep roots in racing per se. I know a lot of the guys growing up like, uh, um, well, Deegan won a supercross. um,
1: yeah Kerry yeah. Hart
0: raced supercross did well in arena cross that's how he ended up doing jump shows to begin with is that they had a, a best trick contest during those those events uh, same thing with Mike Metzger yourself they all have a number Drake McElroy was an accomplished rider of course uh, Travis Pastrana and, and his championships but they're, like you have a lot of guys that uh, they, maybe they don't have that typical same background, and uh, like so, is there uh, a different respect level there between like the guys coming up and the veterans, or well, what's the story there?
1: Um, you know, I don't really see that. That was kind of a, it was kind of a, I don't know, a taboo thing or kind of an attitude that's around years ago. I don't really see that at all anymore. Okay. Um, you know, there's guys coming up that yeah never race and don't give it. Crap about that, you know. They're just all freestyle all the time, and they don't care, you know. And they're great riders. They got great bike skill. They could go practice a few starts and go race, and probably do well, you know. Probably do well in an intermediate class or something, you know. And they have great they're they're great dirt bike riders, but they like jumping and riding for fun. They don't like yeah. racing. So um there's just, it's kind of a whole new breed of riders that uh, you know. There's still guys coming up that that do have racing backgrounds, and like even Levi Sherwood, he's a young guy, and he. He's a great racer and still loves racing and riding moto, but is very creative when he's riding freestyle. When he's on his freestyle bike, he's as good as anyone, you know? So uh, I think that whole kind of attitude is left the sport. I think it's for the better. and It just uh, was doing nothing but divide people. And and now it's just, you know, I mean, if someone loves riding their bike and they're a sick rider, everyone, people are drawn to that. You're loving it and you're on your bike and you're having fun. People want to ride with you. and, And that's really what it's all about, so...
0: Absolutely, and and with uh, still the uh, the mecca of both freestyle and all of motocross being in Southern California, there's t- too much great opportunities to to ride these tracks and riding like riding places to uh and and going out to the hills where uh like if you like to spend time on two wheels um it's it's nearly impossible to not spend that kind of time on on your bike and not acquire the skills necessary to 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 make your way around a track and get passionate about it and ride and like you said if those guys did decide to uh, practice some starts and go uh and 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 like uh and line up for a race wouldn't do half bad uh, it's not like they've uh completely forgotten how to uh uh, feather no, the clutch no. or, uh roll through a corner
1: no no not at all a lot of it i mean and i think it's uh you know i don't know i think because probably when freestyle started it was uh you know racers that were going freestyle and now it's just a whole new breed that mentality that that, that it's not in, it's not in the young up-and-coming kids they don't care they just want to ride. They just want to have fun. They just want to learn how to flip and and they just want to shovel jumps and just be on the dirt bike every day. You know that they don't they don't want to argue over that. You know who's racing yeah. and who's not. Just want to ride their bike. So I think and I think it's great. I think it's for the better for sure. So
0: absolutely and and speaking of shoveling jumps uh living in California, I don't doubt that you have uh, the the odd opportunity especially with the rain that we've had over the last few months to head out to the hills and uh, and really uh sh- uh share your skills with with the the guys that you uh that you love to ride with a when you're heading out to the hills, who's coming with you and where are you going
1: um man, if I went out to the hills it's either Beaumont or Richie canyon really which are both about an hour from my house and uh, man. I'm, you know, I'm calling Potter, I'm calling Byton, I'm calling Feist, I'm calling Taka, I'm basically calling everyone, you know. Except for me. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's crazy because when it rains here, it's like everyone knows what's going on. You know, if it's yeah. raining today, everyone knows that tomorrow we're all going to be in the hills. So it's funny because you'll call a couple people and then run into you know, four or five other buddies out there sometimes and, Oh, thanks for the call, man. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you didn't call going. me either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It goes both ways, you know, but, uh, it, when, it, when it rains around here, literally like, everyone is going to the hills. It's like the hills just come alive. So it's, uh, it's a cool spot, man. Southern California. It's, I know it's busy and, you know, I'm from Phoenix, so it's a smaller town, but, uh it's, uh, it's busier here and now there's a lot of traffic, but there's a lot of really rad stuff about Southern California. So, when it rains here, man, we got—I think—we got the best hills to ride in. That's for sure.
0: Nice. Well, the hills are alive with the sound of four strokes. But uh, about two, three weeks ago, man, about about a month ago, Glenn Helen uh, was uh, was pre-mixing full time. When's when are we gonna see uh, um, Nate Adams uh, line up with the 7, 4, uh, 741 on a two-stroke uh, and uh, and race that two-stroke national? in in, in uh um, like, matt byton did in an age class man he even did a jump show at the same day
1: who, who's that matt byton
0: matt byton was there ra- racing a two-stroke and that's flipping a four-stroke right.
1: that's right He is double duty man you know i've actually been kicking around the idea of getting a, a 125 again maybe doing yeah, like a yeah. 144 or something but but yeah i don't know you know um, actually i actually haven't raced in a couple of years now but sounds like fun a couple of years ago i did the uh few years ago actually i did the four-stroke nationals at Glen Helen, and got second in the uh, plus-25 class. So that was a lot of fun. But you might just see me. You might just see me in uh, the next couple of years line up on a two-stroker and let the gate drop and see how it goes. So Fair I, don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Last time I raced is when I did my right shoulder with the axillary okay. nerve tear. So yay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, that would be a lot of fun, though. Uh, got to get the two-stroke first. There you go. Well,
0: uh, by by then, uh, Ty and Hudson will be uh, will be old enough to uh, stand up and uh, and, uh, and 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 on. So that'll be a cool thing to uh, to do. <laughs>
1: there we go.
0: There we go. Uh, so, uh, in in recent history, we've seen uh, you switch from uh, from from your your prototypical uh, motocross gear brand to something rather new. Something that kind of allows you to uh, change your gear up. Literally week to week, and uh, really uh, speak your uh, personal uh, style, and and uh, basically just put put your sponsors on display rather than a particular brand, but uh, but you also still run that company's logo on on the gear all the time. That's none other than Canvas MX with Michael Leeb. Uh, what's the connection there, and how much do you enjoy riding that particular gear brand?
1: You know, I actually I rode for for Canvas for a little over a year, and. You know it was a great it was a great relationship and uh great people michael Lee is uh i don't know if he wants me to say that or not but it's, it's michael Lee's company and michael has been for def since the beginning and he's and a great guy a good friend of mine and and uh so it was great to ride for his gear company but uh about two months ago i signed with uh, a new gear company that's coming out called vexia in that oh okay they're, they're from here in the states and uh they got some rad designs and uh, I actually signed with them about two months ago, with, uh, just about two weeks ago. Now got, got gear from them. So they're an American company and, uh, our American owned company. And, and, uh, I'm stoked to be riding for them and they're, uh, this is their first year obviously they're coming out and sponsoring uh, a few guys, a couple I think one of the three and maybe like three racers. So, um, I'm just supposed to be on the, the front end of it. And, and, uh, so far it's been great working with them and good people. And, uh, so yeah, but, uh, it was, okay, uh, so it was a tough text, phone call you know. to make to so Michael. I was like, all right. It was one of those calls. I'm like, today, I'm, I'm going to make that call. And uh, like three days later, I'm like, all right, today, I'm calling Michael. I got to tell him. Like, <laughs> and uh, no, was, Michael's been so great to me and such a good buddy and, and uh, you know, really done a great job, obviously, you know, representing Daft. He's just a great guy, a great writer, and he's one of those dudes that uh, – you know, when he broke his leg and his foot last year, I was so bummed because he put so much into it and worked so hard. Dude, so fit and so stinking fast. I was really bummed to see him get hurt last year. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's, uh, I'm pumped to be with other It was great working with Michael and his tier company and, and for the last year and a half. That was pretty sweet.
0: Right on, man. Just a couple of questions before I let you go here, and we've uh, officially done just about two hours of solid audio, uh, and we're gonna throw some commercials in there uh, in the middle somewhere, including a brand new one from uh, from Deft Family, which I'm pretty excited about.
1: <laughs> Same here,
0: uh, but. Uh best uh best bike you ever uh had in uh, like what what was the best bike you ever had as a as a competitor uh is it your your, your current honda is it uh oh. is it one of your yamahas back in the day what was the the best bike that you ever came to a uh, an event with
1: best bike man i've had some great bikes i really loved uh, my last year's bike uh that i won x game speed and style on which is a, uh, it was a 2013 honda 450 at that uh, jet mx customs did uh there's a bunch of ignition and mapping work on. We did a bunch of testing, and he uh, anodized the frame. He actually did it on the – he actually had my bike and was doing a full prep on it, and I kept calling him. And it was like two weeks later, and, you know, usually he'll turn that around in a couple days, and I'm like, dude, what the heck is going on? I'm like, I have my practice bike, but I want my competition bike back. And he had literally snuck on the side and framed the bike, powder-coated the frame black, the swing arm black did it all that all up um that was the bike i rode last year at x games and and the thing was just it it, it had this ignition on it a get ignition with traction control works so good on dry slick stuff and get uh, get ignition system took me up with that last year so thanks to them for that and uh but it was just it was awesome and then of course steam style was blowing wind and hot and dry and hard pack so it was the perfect bike for for uh, what, we, what we were competing on that day. That was a great bike. Uh, my 09 X-Fighters YZ250 was great. Uh, Mikey Campbell from uh, back in Ohio, another great mechanic. I forgot to mention him earlier that I worked with, but he split the cases, matched the cases, uh, port and polish, the h- uh, head was trimmed, all that stuff, and that thing was a Barker, man. That's the bike that's up at Monster Energy uh, in okay. Corona, California, their showroom right now. But uh, anyway, those are uh, those probably some of my favorite bikes right there, man. I really can't pick them all, but I've had some good ones throughout the date.
0: <laughs> what was the the worst bike that you ever won a competition on?
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: Dude,
1: <laughs> I know exactly that bike. <laughs> I bought – I sold my 2001 CR250s. That were the best two-stroke motor I think Honda ever made, and I bought the O two O two. On the CR250s, when they did that RC valve, that was the the worst thing they ever did. And those things were turds. I just wanted to light those things on fire. Those were the worst bikes I have ever owned. I literally thought there was, like, I got lemons. I thought there was something wrong. I had, like, one in a million chance. I got, the bike doesn't work right. I literally thought the bike, it was so slow, I I thought it just wasn't working right. And uh, I ended up winning a couple of IFMA contests on them and uh, selling them um, right when the right when the O threes came out. But uh, oh man, without a doubt, the O two CR on the 350 is the worst dirt bike I've ever owned in my life.
0: <laughs>
2: there
1: you go. <laughs> um, it, oh it, my goodness
0: if you had to come up with a, uh, let's call it a, a five-trick run, no flips allowed, uh, what what are you busting out?
1: Me or, or is this a dream run? Am I like Adam Jones right now and I can do like a triple met? are you talking about just me personally? Just
0: you personally. No, oh, no backflip, no inverted so cool. tricks allowed. What are you pulling?
1: No inverted tricks? Oh, man, well, you know there's going to be a no-handed catwalk in there. I'm going to have to do, like, a McMets, to heel clicker, no-hander-lander, get a combo in there. Uh, Probably going to do a double-neck and a double-neck Indian Air, a ruler, and uh, probably a super can, cliffhanger, no-hander-lander. Is that eight?
0: That's eight.
1: Oh, that's eight. That that would be it. Boom. Um, Boom. (laughs) (laughs) um,
0: If you had to uh, pick four guys to do a demo with... uh, who are those four riders, and uh, and and where? What, what's what's one of the best places? What's the most underrated place to do a, uh, a demo where the fans just I'm, go wild? Oh
1: uh, man, that's a tough one. So many fun guys to ride with. Ah oh, man, it will probably be. Uh, I'm gonna say Adam Jones, Andre Vila, um, Mike Mason, and uh, say Ronnie Feist. That'd I'm be my pick right out. there. And we'd do a demo. Oh man, I have no idea where we'd do a demo. <laughs> Somewhere where it's scenic and it's awesome and not high elevation, so our bikes run great. And uh, yeah, that would be that would be a dream demo right there. We all make a million dollars and we all go home and no one crashes and perfect.
0: Perfect. I- I'm telling Taka that you didn't <laughs> include him on that. Uh, oh,
1: Taka, I'll get Taka in first alternate. <laughs> oh, first, <He's> first
0: alternate. <laughs> uh, were you in Winnipeg when Nitro Circus came through here in uh, in November? Yeah. Yeah, I was there. All oh, right, on I like there's there's a ton of you guys I, I couldn't 100 percent remember, but I have seen you uh, do your thing live in person. Then.
1: Oh, right on, right yeah, on, yeah, man. Yeah, you oh, know, man. I wasn't supposed to be on the tour last year, and I ended up being off for about half the tour, filling in for uh, uh, Matty McFerrin when he broke his ankle. So okay. I wasn't on the rider list, but I ended up uh, sneaking my way in there. So.
0: Who uh, who filled in for uh, um, Jared Jared uh, Jared McNeil? Cause he, he did his shoulder his back,
1: his back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm not sure who's, I don't
0: Or if anybody I mean, they're, did they're
1: back like three tours, three nights, nights of Circus is doing like an Australian tour, a North American tour and a European tour. So I'm not sure if Jared is still, I think he, I don't think he's, he's riding that now. Night. Yeah. Is he riding? Is, is he in the States or is he on tour? He's in back at the
0: States. He is in the States right now. He was on the UK tour early in the European tour. That guy knows how to get twisted on a motorcycle.
1: Yeah. He's yeah like I, I don't know what tool he's riding or if he's injured right now, but I know he knows how to whip a bike. That's yeah. for sure. That kid can throw it around. You know, he could weighs like literally 135 pounds. Yeah. He's a freaking tiny little guy, but he can crank that bike around, man. Hey, Jared's a, Jared's a great dude. And I've done a lot of riding with Jared over the last year or so. And, and uh, him and his girlfriend, Bree, are great people. And, and, uh, yeah, they're, uh, and they love what they do, man. They love their bikes. And, and the job and they work hard and yeah, Jared Jared's good people, man. I like that kid.
0: So what, uh, what events are you entered in for, for this year's X games? And, uh, and if, uh, if there's an event that you're not in, entered in, uh, if you were entered in, how would you do?
1: Um, I'm doing, uh, just doing SNX this year in, in, in X games. So. Okay. So if you're uh, in best whip, how, how would you do? I'm first alternate for best whip. So I have go. been practicing my whips, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I know I don't have the biggest whip out there, but, you know, like I said, anything can happen at contest. It can be windy or, or whatever, you know, and I'll basically just go there and do the best I can. But, uh, honestly, I would just be hoping to hoping to ride my best and hopefully get a medal. I, I think I, with, you know, guys like Tom Parsons and Tom Pages and Josh Sheehan and, and, uh, yeah, it'd have to be the, my best day whipping up my life to, to win that one. But I'll definitely go there and, and throw it around for the fans, that's for sure. I
0: know, oh, man. And so, um, like, who, who, who are you a fan of? Like, who who would you say that, uh, like, if you were to watch anybody's run, watch them do their thing, who do you enjoy watching the most, whether it be at a show or or in competition? Uh, who, who Who really impresses you with their style on the bike?
1: um man that's, that's a hard one because so many guys but like if i could pick like the ultimate if i could mix two guys together it'd be adam jones and josh sheehan adam jones is so technical and just has so many big big flip tricks just so perfect and never messes up on them and a lot of through the bars trick you know adam's over six foot tall but he gets through the bars like like he's a small guy you know mm-hmm. and then josh sheehan would just uh you know flares and and uh his consistency and triple and double flips. I think that that's like the ultimate freestyler right there. If you could, you know, if if Josh Sheen and Adam Jones could just have a baby, they'd make the best freestyler ever. That would be it.
0: Adam Sheehan.
1: That just got weird for a second, but that would be it. (laughs)
0: that's okay um, <laughs> it, motocross gets weird from time to time uh, Nate Adams it has been an absolute pleasure uh, honestly I feel like this conversation could go a whole lot longer but, uh, I, um, but that just means I've got to I gotta call i got to call you up again and we'll do exactly that just uh, just ahead of uh, X Games this year I'll, I'll have to, uh, to dial you back up again and, uh, and check in on you see how things are going wish you all the best going it. forward and uh, this would be a great opportunity opportunity for you uh for, for you to uh um to throw down those sponsors for us let us know uh who who you have to thank and then uh, i'll let you go
1: all right well thanks so much for having me on brad it was great great talking with you and catching up and uh yeah i mean um if uh anyone up there in canada wants to follow me um my uh instagram facebook twitter all that is at nate adams 741 um Constantly taking new GoPro photos, new angles, just always trying to stay creative. So so check me out. And, uh, of course, uh, big thanks to all my sponsors for the life I live. They provide me with the ability to do what I do for, for a living, which is my love, and, and that's riding my dirt bike. So big thanks to Monster Energy and Death Family, DC Shoes, Dragon, Bexia, Alpine Stars, HJC, um, Stellar MX graphics, dunlop tires, enzo, pro taper, workz connection, recluse clutches, GPR stabilizers, uh, AEO Power Sports, uh, Rocket Exhaust. And uh, man, if there's anyone I'm forgetting. I sure stuff. Not. Moto Stuff, Moto Stuff, Moto Seat, um, man, Efica, everyone, everyone's helping me out. Pro taper, uh, just everybody. So uh, I really I really love what I do and and, uh, you know, I know I'm getting older and, and I probably have more years behind me than I do in front of me in the sport. But, uh, you know, like we were saying earlier, especially the sponsors I've been with for a long time and even the new ones, I just, uh, uh, just stoked, you know, I'm very grateful and blessed and, uh, just thankful for everything I had and want to make the most of these, you know, last years is, uh, competing. So, so thanks to everyone. I appreciate it.
0: Yes, sir, and you do a great job of representing those sponsors. Nate Adams, it's always a pleasure to, to chat with you. You have yourself a great rest of your evening. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast's sake, we'll cut it off right there.
1: All right, thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.
3: Restlessness enunciates The guess who suck the jets were lousy anyway The same route every day and in the turning lane Someone stalled again He's talking to himself And here's the price of gas, repeat his phrase. Sing, I love this town Then letters our king-wrecking ball proclaim I hate Winnipeg